is the movie Hall of Fame Class of Macbeth for Tuesday, February 15th, 2022, I think. That's when it's going out. <laughs> there he is across the table from me. The McDouble to my Macbeth. It's Adam Hall. <laughs> uh, I also had... Uh, there was another one. <laughs> Mc, uh, the McChicken. Oh, oh, McChicken oh. would have honestly been better. The McChicken to my Macbeth. <laughs> my idea was uh, the the Hurley to my Burley. That was the other ah, one. That came up with. Is that better? That ain't bad. That okay. that that's a more slightly more niche that only so many people are gonna get in in this channel. Yeah, uh, of the five people that are listening right now yeah at this point uh Macbeth pod man it's it, the, the streets are talking i know <laughs> the streets are a buzz with talk of the great shakespeare play Macbeth. oh god they're not actually because i don't think anyone's given the new movie all that much recognition which is no. very strange no you know i was i mean I guess in relation to the Oscars, because the Oscar nominations came out, there were more than a few that I was a little frustrated by. Yes. And some of them have to do with uh, the title of Macbeth and how many, you know, awards it. Jesus, listen to me. (sighs) Take a deep breath. Adam is sick, by the I'm way. I'm slightly <laughs> sick. Slightly sick. I got. I don't have coronavirus. He's very sick. I have norovirus, and it and it has affected his uh, his his neurological whatever it's great. semblance of neurological cognition is left. left. Yeah, yeah that's right. right. After all those cocaine deals, this is it, man. Okay, try that again. You're upset Macbeth wasn't nominated for more. Is that what you're saying, Adam? I'm upset Hamlet was not nominated for. Oh wait, a different different. Okay. That's right. Yeah. I was very upset Joel Cohen's Hamlet was was thrown under the bus. I really liked his Hamlet. <laughs> you thought my McDouble joke was bad? <laughs> uh, Quite bad. <laughs> Oscar noms, what'd you think? Uh, a little bad, I would say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's... I don't know. It was a lot of shrugs. I kind of... A lot of it was expected. I mean, I guess I was as happy Dune got the 10 nominations, although I was kind of shocked that Denise did not get, get a nomination. Yeah, everybody's mad that Dune got snubbed somehow, even though they got 10 nominations. Yeah, a lot of... I'm surprised about the uproar for Denis. That I mean, I guess that makes me happy, but yeah, that's... I, I, was, su- I was surprised, to be honest with you, that he wasn't nominated yeah the uh, the uh the director of drive my car got a nomination there which yeah. i think was very unexpected but uh, sure yeah i get I, listen brana and <sighs> belfast have been cleaning up at these things i, I think he is clearly the weak link in that <laughs> list of five directors it's, but have you seen you've seen belfast i have indeed it's just like guys guys what are we doing <laughs> <It> is, <laughs> i mean it's actually it is a parody of oscar movies like it is so oscar movie you're like really somebody made this and the oscars nominated it's filth it's like guys you've been doing this for like 50 years how do you not how are you this unaware of yourselves at this point give me a break right yeah i I didn't and the movie's like so i don't hate the movie it's just it is what it is guys yeah it's kind of it's impossible to hate but also in that respect it is very easy to hate sure yeah uh, let's see. What is it? Kenneth Branagh for Belfast. Uh, Rasuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. I'm surprised he got a nom. To be honest with you. Yeah, no, me too. Yeah, that movie has been. A lot of people are just kind of unenthusiastic for some reason. Uh, Jane Campion for Power of the Dog. Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. Yeah, uh, it's fine. Exactly. It's, it's fine. fine. It's like whatever. Yeah. But yeah, like no Joel for for 
Tragedy of Macbeth? No. I, I Macbeth, would, the... I would have liked that. Public opinion, I, I wouldn't say shifted on Macbeth in recent weeks, but I, I don't think like it it quite uh, got the momentum going for award season in Maybe the way was, that some of these other movies did. Perhaps it was the timing. I don't know. Yeah. It could have been something to do with it. I do wonder, too, like if that thing was on Netflix rather than Apple TV+. Plus. It it's like we're, more. You know? we're, we're fine with one streaming service, but two streaming services. Yeah. I just don't know if people are watching it. You know, no, no, no. I, I don't think so. Like either, I, yeah. A lot of people have Apple TV plus because they have the free account with their iPhone or whatever. But are people actually watching like the velvet underground documentary on no, there? Like no. are people, I actually like the movies they put on there in general. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, pretty so, good, but. so far I've liked them. I mean, I didn't like, uh, the Sofia Coppola movie all that much. But yeah. That was about it. You know, I guess, yeah. Swan song kind of sucked, but yeah, you know, that was it. Um, should we just go through these really quick? Yeah. And you can give me your two-word answer on these. Uh, best actor. Oh, geez. Your nominees. Benedict Cumberbatch, Power of the Dog. Good. Yeah, good. Andrew Garfield, Tick, Tick, Boom. Okay, good. Yeah. Will Smith, King Richard. Probably going to win. Probably, yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, Denzel Washington for Tragedy of Macbeth. He gets in. Yeah, good. Javier Bardem being the Ricardos. What do you think? Uh, what is there to think? <laughs> what is there to think about? Do you still like that movie? Being the Ricardos. <laughs> I am shocked how many nominations this movie got. I am fucking stunned. <laughs> Javier, uh, Kidman, and J.K. Simmons got nominations for being the Ricardos. What is it with that Sorkin? Truly shocking. Jeez. Uh yeah, no comment on the Javier at all. <laughs> uh, best actress, you got Jessica Chastain in the eyes of Tammy Faye. Have not seen that movie yet. Olivia Coleman for the Lost Daughter, good. Penelope Cruz, Parallel Mothers, haven't seen it yet. Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos. <clears throat> Kristen Stewart Spencer. Yeah, I mean sneaks in. That's what should win, but I guess now I guess it's what's the word? It's not gonna win. Word is Nicole Kidman right now. What? Yeah. What's going on? That's word on the street. I will not be watching Being the Ricardos unless someone makes me watch it. Uh, fuck around and find out. Adam. Fuck around, fuck and, find around out. and find out. Is it really worth it to fuck around and find out at this point? <laughs> Seriously? It's a hell of a movie. Okay. We, so we have a... Should we say this officially? We have a lunch bet on this? Yeah, we do. Okay. For Dune, though. Is that it? Or what do we make? There are two lunch bets going. Right One now. of the lunch bet was that Dune win. I I was voting that it wins four Oscars out of the ten. Correct. Nick is betting it wins under the four. Yeah, uh, yeah. Three and a half is the line. Three, okay, okay, yeah. So you're taking the over on three and a half. He's yeah. taking the under. Yeah. And that's a lunch. But then separately with me, we have a lunch bet on Best Actress. Yeah. I took Olivia Coleman, and you took Kristen Stewart. Yeah, yeah, I did. I just don't see Olivia Coleman getting it. I just don't. Oh, but she's such a lovely woman, though. She, that Oscar speech is delightful, wasn't it? The Academy just loves it. It's so lovely. Yeah. <laughs> There's a supporting actress snub here that's just R- royally pissed me off. Really? Yeah. Supporting actor. Normally my favorite category in the whole show. Kieran Hines for Belfast. Uh, really? Okay. He's in what? 10 minutes of the movie? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Troy Kutzer for Coda. Good. <laughs> He's good. I'm sick of I'm sick no no I'm sick of this coda conversation. <laughs> it's not worth it, guys. Fuck your coda conversation. It's not that good. Best picture nom. It's <laughs> Did we see the same movie? <laughs> Plemons, Power of the Dog. Eh, okay. Simmons, being the Ricardos. 
Again. Truly shocked. <laughs> <You did. laughs> Cody Smith McPhee, Power of the Dog, is probably going to win. He also gets a nomination there. Yeah. He, he's really good in that Yeah, movie. okay. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Uh, best Supporting Actress, Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter. Uh, one of the few times in Oscar history where two actresses get nominated in the same year for the same role. Interesting. Okay. Jesse Buckley, or same character, I should say, in different timelines. Uh, Ariana DeBose, West Side Story is the front runner here. Judy Dench for Belfast. What? Oh no! I'm just, they're, they're, they're getting lazy here. I mean, come on, come. What are you doing? <laughs> What's the, what else is there? Because there is one. She's like a hundred and five years I, she old. She does fuck all in that movie. <laughs> I forgot she was in the movie. <laughs> it is comical. It is fucking comical. They keep nominating her in these things. But supporting actress, like, where's Catherine Hunter on that? Uh oh yeah. Catherine Hunter I saw Again though, small role though. Whatever. Very small. <laughs> very as very, small as can be. But very good and impressive, and it leaves very a good. lasting impact. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kirsten Dunn's Power of the Dog. Yeah. Angelou yeah. Ellis, King Richard are the five. Okay. And then uh, Best Picture, your nominees <laughs> Belfast. <laughs> Jesus. Coda. Uh. The film that shall not be named. Don't look up. Mm-hmm. I just named it, I guess. That, uh, God, the, the Oscars. More on that later. Course. Drive My Car. Okay. Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, the front runner for this award. Yeah. Not what I expected for it to be the front runner, honestly. Mm. I still like Power of the Dog, but like, again, really? Belfast could sneak in, though. Would you be shocked? (sighs) Would you be shocked if there was a late push for Don't Look Up? Yes. You would be stunned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super popular movie on Netflix. A lot of movie stars in it that people like. Too many people hate it. Adam McKay, former... I don't know. No, there's way... Not enough people for it to miss out on a Best Picture nomination. It doesn't matter. It doesn't... There's way, way too much contention around that movie. In the past, you have seen when movies like Green Book get a big backlash by those in the press. The Oscar voters are like, yo, fuck this. We actually like this movie. And they give it the win out of spite. Oh, that's what they're doing? Could that happen with Don't Look Up, conceivably? Green Book is tremendously better than Don't Look Up. Sure. You, gotta, you, have, to, you have to look at it with some context here. It's not, it, we're not, we're not comparing, you know, I, I don't know what's, what's a good example. This isn't, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying like, like in terms of like the range of quality here, it'd be a little shameful for them to go in that direction, even for them. It'd be even low for the Academy? Yes, I think it would See, be. See, I, I actually think... The movie's garbage. I'd man. have to do it's more digging, horrible. obviously, into pre-1950s Ugh. cinema or whatever. I think this is the worst movie ever nominated for Best Picture. Could be, yeah. I couldn't think of one. I couldn't think of a worse one. I, it's bad. I mean, I hate Crash. I Crash hate, is an awful movie. I hate Crash, but... That one Best Picture. Yeah, I know, that's it. That might be the worst winner ever. Yes, Oh man, yeah, you might be right. You might be right. I don't. I don't know. You know, oh. I I could not think of one that inferior. I mean, there's obviously movies I don't care for that win sure. Best Picture all the time. You know, you you got your Shape of Waters, you got your Green Book. So, sure, excuse me. 
Uh, those aren't like horrible movies next to like Don't Look Up. Yeah. It's a totally different, you know, level of film at that point. Right. <laughs> it's just, what are we doing, guys? What are we even talking about? Uh, let's, let's see if I can look really quick for other contenders here. What's the worst film to be nominated just for to best even be picture? nominated for best picture oh boy let's see you uh, would think but godfather 3 yeah no don't look up's the worst movie than godfather 3 man i'm sorry bohemian rhapsody don't look up's worse yeah uh love story don't look up's worse i think you're right yeah yeah i'm not seeing any uh, like uh I don't know, Les Miserables? No, no, not even close. Not even close, right? Yeah. This is it. We found it. Yeah. We found the worst ever Best Picture nominee. <laughs> Could it just be like they just put that in there for political reasons, though? I mean... I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, to be honest with yeah, you. That's a th- it's just... It's such a trash film that it's like hard for me to conceive that they put it in there other than just for the, I don't know, the name recognition of it all. And well, it's it's one of those things where it's like there's a curtness to it, yeah, I guess. But it, it proves that through mass psychosis, you can get a best picture nominee in, you know, like yeah. just by casting the right people and making the movie about the right things. You can convince someone that it's sure, good. Sure, sure, sure. You know? Yeah. That being said, though, like they give this thing a best editing nom. Like they they saw the editing in this movie and thought that's worth celebrating, you know? Well, hey, I mean, look at Bohemian Rhapsody, though. I guess that was a winner of best editing, right? That's one of the worst edited films I've ever seen. Jesus. Did have a good score, I suppose. Sure. What? Don't look up? Yeah. I thought the score was okay. Who did the score? Nicholas Bertel. Okay. Who I love. Who's one of like the best young composers. But uh, Hans is probably getting it this year. I imagine so, yeah. Probably. Who else would get it, though? Um... Johnny Greenwood. Johnny him? Greenwood got a nom for uh, for uh, for Power of the Dog. Okay, that was a good score. So yeah, you never know. Yeah, the one the one when we were talking about our bets, the only one that I'm torn on right now is cinematography because there's a chance Bruno gets it. Right. Uh, I don't see. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if dudes could Nightmare Alley get it. I haven't. Well, I haven't seen Nightmare Alley, but yeah, I. I because as much like Greg Frazier has been get, get, getting a lot of praise for Dune, but I I almost think it's not quite enough. We'll see. Score your nominees are Don't Look Up, Dune, Encanto, Parallel Mothers, and Power of the Dog. And Johnny Greenwood's Spencer score did not get on. That's crazy. That yeah. score fucking You thought rules. that one was better than Power of the Dog? Yeah. It's so much more distinct for me. I remember that score. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I don't know which, which is better, I guess. I guess one fits the movie more. Here's the thing. They're both Johnny Greenwood scores. They're both great. And yeah, one one is, you know applied to to the right context i think a little bit more for for an anxiety trip yeah because i mean he's always kind of doing anxiety trips yeah i guess the spencer score is more noticeably good whereas the power of the dog score is more unnoticeably good yeah you know snooze (laughs) yeah yeah i like the score at least i I like it but like i don't know okay i need a little more of an impression i suppose okay uh, screenplay, uh, Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Worst Person in the World. Happy to see Worst Person in the World get yeah, a nomination there. Uh, I I guess PTA wins that one for what original Licorice Pizza? Yeah, for original screenplay. Probably it'll has he hasn't won an Oscar yet though. Is that right? Yeah. So, are you serious? Yeah. The Master didn't win screenplay. I don't think so. 
Jeez. I think he's, yeah. Yeah, isn't that... That's the thing, though. He's one of those, like, great directors to be constantly snubbed over and over again. Nominated for 11 Oscars. I don't think he ever won. He's like a, yeah, he's like Fincher in that way. Just never wins. <laughs> okay, so they have to give him this one then yeah, at yeah. least, right? Yeah. I, yeah, unf- I don't think he's getting best picture, best director, but... Yeah. yeah, it'd be cool if he won a, the screenplay award. Yeah, uh, and then adapted screenplay. You have Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, Power of the Dog. I guess it's Power of the Dogs to lose there. I'll tell you what, huh? I might give it to Dune. No, <laughs> it's not it. gonna win, but like of all the movies, I might actually give it to Dune. <laughs> so Dune would be your best picture winner. It's if a, you had a vote. If it, uh, yeah, it's not gonna win, but yeah, you'd vote for it over Drive My Car. Ooh. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I didn't include Dune on my list, so to make up for that, yeah, fuck it. Okay. <laughs> fuck it, why not? Okay. <laughs> Dune would be your vote. Sure. And then director, you would go with who? Director? Yeah. Brana Hamaguchi, PTA, Campy, and Spielberg. PTA. Why not? Okay. Again, Here's the thing, like, I, I don't think what PTA did was more impressive than what Spielberg did, but yeah, just give it to PTA. Uh, Bardem, Cumberbatch, Garfield, Smith, Denzel. Denzel. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, really agree. More on that in a bit. Yeah. Very good performance. Chastain, Coleman, Penelope Cruz, Kidman, Kristen Stewart. You're going Kristen Stewart, right? Yeah. I would as well. Karrion Hines, Troy Kutzer, Jesse Plemons, J.K. Simmons, Cody Smith-McPhee. I have no idea. I guess Smith-McPhee, if you make me. I'm just... If this is legally binding. God, you're boring me so much. I know. <laughs> now, these nominations fucking suck. Yeah. All right, that's the bottom line here. Yes. I'm just so... I'm so done with this. I need... I, it needs to be it's like... It's just beginning. What do you mean you're done with this? Unless it's the craziest Oscars ever, then like... <laughs> We're two months away. It's two months of this nonsense. <laughs> it's fucking going to be April. It's going to yeah. be April. See, that's the other thing that's inexcusable. I can't, yeah. The Oscar should be the second week of January. Everybody is tired by like the events of this year. I'm like even the Super Bowl. A lot of people are like, let's just fucking get it over with. Yes. Well, there's nothing worse than the gap week in between the AFC and NFC championship oh, the and worst. the Super Bowl. Yeah. There's no excuse for that. I'm tired of it. The too. Super Bowl should be played the next day. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. should yeah. play <laughs> it the next day. They should get on a plane and just go. Do you feel like uh, there's been a lot of muted responses towards like this? what would normally have been enormous events in terms of sports? Like, I feel, I mean, obviously no one gives a fuck about the Olympics. I, I actually, It is the least watched Olympics in recent history, I believe. Insane. How, Maybe of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy how muted that was. But honestly, like when like Tom Brady retired, I feel like people were like, oh, OK. Yes. Did you feel the same? I felt like no one real. They, they probably voiced their opinions on online. But in, when you talk to them, they're like, yeah. So I have different opinions on both of those things. First of all, I think no one cares about the Olympics. Sure. Yeah. I think that is true. <laughs> I think uh, national pride is at an all-time low in the world. Uh-oh. Uh, no, I do. I think, like, no one really cares about, like, symbolic victories like the Olympics anymore. I think it's kind of, you know, an old-fashioned, outdated way of looking at the world in some ways. Um, or at least maybe we'll come back to it at some point. Maybe the Olympics will have some revitalization. We're but too cynical. Today. I think, yeah, I think our, our culture in general, like we just don't care about medal counts. 
Um, and it's also the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics were like six months ago. So you have to keep that in mind, too. The Brady thing is interesting. I Here's what I felt because I felt the same sort of letdown when he yeah. announced his retirement. I think it's because when he left the Patriots and went to the Bucks and won the Super Bowl with the Bucks, we already sort of did the victory lap with him. It's like we already did all of the eulogizing before he died. That's a good point. So by the time he ended up retiring, it's like, oh, we've already done this already. We've already done the, he's the all-time best. We already discussed his legacy with the Patriots. We already talked about the fact he he won one without Belichick. Like, it, it he's the, the rare athlete where he was considered the greatest of all time as he played, hmm. and all of those sort of legacy conversations were had as the legacy was being <laughs> built. Sure. And that's not the case with like I feel like when Tiger Woods retires, it'll be the same thing. Mm. If he ever, he probably will never retire. He'll just play golf forever. But <laughs> like it'll be a similar thing where it's like we've all, in real time we were talking about how Tiger Woods was the best. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Whereas that's not usually the case with other guys. Uh, that being said, more people care about the NFL than ever before, according to the ratings. Like fucking everybody is watching the Cincinnati Bengals on a on a random Sunday. Yeah. So. That's cool. Yeah. I'm excited. It, but you're right, though. There is a, I think, uh, a dwindling of consensus water cooler monocultural stuff. That I know. That is certainly the case. I know. Yeah. I've been saying it for a while, man. I don't know about celebrity anymore. Yeah. It's a little little weak. Yeah. it's a, Well, yeah. I mean, just flip on Celebrity Big Brother and... That's the idea of a celebrity now. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, is that really? What, what, what's your point gonna be? <laughs> well, I, okay, I was thinking about this because you turn on Celebrity Big Brother and there are no celebrities on the show, <laughs> but they're like people that existed in dying industries. You okay, know, yeah, uh, former athletes, uh, former actors from sitcoms that nobody watches, reality stars, pop stars. And it's like, okay, these guys are on Celebrity Big Brother and they're considered celebrities, but a hundred million people watch Mr. Beast every week. That's true. You know? So he's not a celebrity? I don't know. Would he be eligible for Celebrity Big Brother? Mr. Beast? Yeah. I don't know. Well, do people treat him like a celebrity? That's is it, the question, is it, right? is it bigger than just watching the thing? Mm. And maybe that's not enough? Is it bigger than the industry? Maybe. Does the industry that you participate in, is that a prerequisite for celebrity? Oh. So in other words, do you need to oh. be in movies or sports or television or music in order to be a celebrity anymore? Because for years, the phrase was YouTube star. It wasn't celebrity. It was YouTube star. As if being a star on YouTube was not like uh, being a real star. There was a caveat put in front of it. But now aren't just YouTube stars stars? Some of them, yeah. You know? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I've always found that it's more about the personality that you carve out. To, you know, it doesn't really matter necessarily the platform. You know, Beauty, yeah. PewDiePie is a celebrity. Sure. He is. Right. So, you know. Right. But that, you know, initially, yeah, you, most people would have considered him a YouTube star, but he's very much transcended that. Right. You know, doesn't matter anymore. So, if you walk up to PewDiePie on the street, is he going to be stormed by a mob of, like little girls or whatever in new york possibly yeah mm. mm-hmm. yeah i wonder i do wonder like is pewdiepie more famous than brad pitt do more people know who pewdiepie is mm. but i feel like it's possible you say pewdiepie is more but i don't imagine there would be a 
larger mob around PewDiePie than Brad Pitt. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, probably not. Probably not. Although you might also be right at the same time. So more people might know who PewDiePie is at this point. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's this weird dichotomy where it's like the number of people that know you doesn't make you a celebrity anymore. Where before that was the only thing that made you a celebrity. Number here's your popularity. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Fair. Yeah. It's it's everything's so fractured now. Something to think about. It's making me sick. Sicker than I already am. <laughs> if you get me sick today. Uh, I hope I do. I swear to God. <laughs> Uh, all right, we're talking about Macbeth. It's like what a what a perfect what a perfect what a perfect subject here. Man, uh, I can't believe you convinced me to do a Macbeth pod. So, so, <laughs> it is interesting, though. I mean, when we when we get into like these various adaptations, I find I find uh, these movies in particular quite interesting. When and just the, for the conversation of adaptation in general, it's interesting to compare and contrast. Nico, why aren't you making any money on your podcast? Well, <laughs> I'm doing Macbeth pods. Last week, my buddy made me talk about Shakespeare adaptations. You could have said no. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't that. Hard no, on I'll be head. honest. I I enjoyed this. I thought it was. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a pretty good time. Uh, we, we're doing five uh, Macbeth movies in honor of Joel Cohen's. Uh, I just realized I wrote it wrong on the page. Uh, in, in honor of, of Joel Cohen's uh, tragedy of Macbeth, which, as we said, was just released on Apple TV. <laughs> Plus, uh, I just love the, 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 the notes that he's got. And like, because we always have the list of movies in front of us. And it just says Macbeth, 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 Macbeth. Uh, All right. The five uh, nominees for inducted into the movie <laughs> Hall of Fame Macbeth, Macbeth. <laughs> Uh, Orson Welles' 1948 film, Macbeth. Uh, Akira Kurosawa's 1957 film, Throne of Blood. The 1971 Roman Polanski, Macbeth. The 2015 uh, Justin Kurtzel, Macbeth. And uh, Joel Cohen's Tragedy of Macbeth from 2021. Macbeth. Lay it on me. I'm I'm clearing the lane for you today, Adam. This is your pod. Yeah, I'm I'm a big, big, big Macbeth fan. I think it's my favorite uh, uh, of Shakespeare's plays. Certainly, my favorite Shakespeare tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one that's always I don't know spoken to me since I read it. Uh, I read it when I was young, and I, yeah, I, I mean at a time where we would just you know always talk Shakespeare. Like every English class I would take, there would at least be one Shakespeare play, and whether it was like Midsummer Night's Dream, Romeo and Juliet, and eventually we got to this, and I was like, well, that's so much fucking better than all those other ones. And I kind of never went back, and nothing ever quite lived up to it, except for maybe I don't know King Lear. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, this is just the one that just kind of meant the most to me. It's that weird blending of having one foot in reality and then the other foot in something very dark and sinister and surreal. And I thought that dichotomy always was very interesting. And I thought there was a lot you could play around with. And at a time where I was, you know, interest getting interested in Shakespeare, I was also getting really interested in film. So when you read these plays, your mind kind of goes crazy thinking about like, Oh, what could some of this stuff look like on film? And Macbeth is one of those that just explodes. Mm. Um, And, you know, I, I hadn't seen many Macbeth film adaptations at the time, 
And then when I started watching them, I I, I felt like my theories were kind of proven because Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, they're all very, very different. And it's interesting how they choose to be different and which themes of the play they choose to focus on more than others. How realistic do they want to make it? How nightmarish do they want to make it? Do they want to make it in color? Do they want to make it in black and white, et cetera, all that stuff. And yeah, it's just very malleable and, you know, they're still making them now. I think they're kind of great. Yeah, 34 total adaptations of Macbeth on the screen, both television and film. Uh, I wrote down a couple key ones that we didn't nominate. Just this this might have been uh, an interesting exploration here. Laurence Olivier did one in 1956 or was supposed to do one. Uh, that got through several stages of production, never got the financing. Um, mm. And that's one of the reasons uh, uh, why he ended up doing, I think, his Hamlet around the same time. Or maybe he did Hamlet first. I don't remember now. I think but it there, was Richard III he did. Okay. But he was going to uh, write and direct and star in, in 1956, one that never came to see the light of day. Uh, there, there was a Patrick Stewart one from 2010 that was like a TV stage production. There was an Ian McKellen one mm. in 1979. A lot of great British thespians have uh, <laughs> attempted this material. Uh, Scotland PA is a is a modern adaptation from 2001, uh, kind of in the vein of like 10 Things I Hate About You or She's the Man. It was sort of the yeah. hot thing at the time, the, the modern sort of teen adaptation of Shakespeare. Um, and then you have McBool, which is this uh, this Indian... Uh, adaptation that's called McBool. McBool. <laughs> it's called McBool. What? Okay. It's a funny word, isn't it? It is a funny. I'm sorry if that's insensitive, but it just kind of makes me laugh. McBool. <laughs> McBool. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> upon the heath to meet with McBool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here's here's my deal. Yeah, I read Shakespeare in high school. Uh. I, I was a little punk in high school. I just didn't fucking get it. I just didn't try to get it. Um, and I think for years, and maybe still to this day, some might argue, my brand of cultural uh, uh, fandom is I like talking about stupid things in smart ways. You're a normie. Yeah. <laughs> I was always actively and aggressively populist in my tastes. And although I don't think it gets more populist than Shakespeare in certain ways, I was always like, oh God, like I don't, I don't need to read smart people things to be smart. That was always (laughs) my thing. Like, how can I prove that I'm smart in other ways beyond Shakespeare, you know? But did you like, like, cause I just read it because I loved it. It wasn't, I didn't, you know, care one way or another if anyone else thought it was cool or weird. I'm yeah. just like, no, this just rocks. I love these stories. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I always respected the stories on some level. I, I, I think at the time, though, may, maybe it was just like the language didn't mean much to me. Not that so much I couldn't understand it, which although that was part of it, I think like poetic language, overly written language like that was not really the stuff that I was into. Like I was into very simple stories and straightforward language and like not a lot of bullshit frills around it. Well, I think part of it is the performances. And I think what we're going to discover is that when you cue the performances a certain way, I think one of the things you you would complain about in your childhood will fade away. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, obviously when you're reading it in a classroom aloud and like no one knows how to pronounce the words. Well, you have the teacher stopping you for every line of prose and just saying, so this is what she means by unsex me here. Right. right. So on and so forth. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I do think though this was really interesting. I watched all five of these movies for the first time in a row this week. 
And hearing the same lines repeated over and over again really like first of all you understand what's happening every time now a lot better yeah and you can sort of just sink into the lyrical quality of them uh-huh. and you can just sort of enjoy like really colorful overly written metaphoric language and that was what was really fun about this i think yes i agree um, yeah. not only it, like i always enjoy doing podcasts like this where you can sort of pick apart oh this director decided to do this this director decided to do that and the little nuances of the differences are always fun but it like this was the first time I think where I sat down with a work of Shakespeare and I thought, oh, this is like really pretty to listen to. Mm. This is like a really pleasant thing to just watch and consume. Yes. Whereas before it always sort of seemed like this daunting thing. Well, it's also interesting too, because with something like Macbeth, it's the shortest of Shakespeare's tragedies. It's, yeah. it's just over half of Hamlet. Yes. To give you some context. Right. Uh, and yeah, I think that's I think that's also part of the reason why it's been adapted so many times. Right. But there's also just a nice efficiency to this storytelling too that I don't think Shakespeare ever quite matched, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Well, a lot of people think that the record is incomplete. Yeah. That's they, a theory. And it's also disputed though. Yeah. You know, I wrote I wrote down uh the fast pace of the first act, certainly true. Uh, the, a lot of people think that it had been stripped for action that they just got rid of all of the filler and just got right to the murder mm-hmm. of Duncan uh, the flatness of all the characters other than Macbeth is often pointed to as evidence I think sort of Macduff coming out of nowhere as the antagonist of the story is a little bit odd um, and just the oddness of Macbeth uh, himself compared with other Shakespearean tragic heroes a lot of people think the record is incomplete sure um, I think it's kind of fucking cool that it's nice and short and stripped out we can make a movie in an hour and a half about it you know uh yeah that's the other thing the length of some of the brana adaptations are just daunting man the hamlet one's four hours it's brutal yeah it's brutal um so yeah i enjoyed this it was good cool it was fun (laughs) let's get into it okay 1948's macbeth directed by orson welles starring orson welles Jeanette Nolan and Dan O'Hurley. Macbeth, the Thane of Glamis, do I have to read this every time? Receives a prophecy <laughs> from a trio of witches that one day he will become king of Scotland, consumed by ambition and spurred to action by his wife. Macbeth murders his king and takes the throne for himself. You do have to read it every time, by the way. We'll do. Uh, it's a weird one. It's a weird movie. I saw it for the first time. Oh, word. Okay. And it's the only one that I needed to to see. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I knew a little bit about the history behind this one. Um, I guess I was kind of prepping myself for that going in, but it is, you know, the history behind this film is that it's not totally complete. Right. And that it was a frustrating experience for everyone to make. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, as far as I know, uh, uh, Orson Welles was, pre- was pretty disappointed with it. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I get it. Well, critics I, were disappointed by it too at the time, not just Orson Welles. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, take take it this way. I mean, it's, I, it's, it's, it's an experience. Uh-huh. It's a very interesting, like, like bizarre nightmare of a movie. It's wacky as hell. Um, there's just something about like the intensity to the way they perform everything. It's very intense. It's just in your face. I mean, I mean, Macbeth. To, to some degree is always in your face it's but not a particularly subtle story no uh but yeah this is just like like a, a strange experimentation across the board um 
And does it always work? No. Mm. Um, it sounds strange to say, but I think it's probably the worst of these. But that's only by like tech. I, I disagree. It's only by technicality, though. That's the problem. Like, I, I think you're probably going to come down on the Kurzel one. But yeah, no, this is the one that technically has just the most issues where it's like, yeah, I'm not like I'm not feeling my way through this. I see too many of the seams. I appreciate the attempt here. Um, when it's working, it's working great. Uh-huh. You know, I really like Orson Welles in the movie. I do too. I don't care for the witches. I don't like Lady Macbeth. Yeah. Uh, there. I well, the witches. He he puts them more in the forefront of this. He actually he opens the movie with the witches. Well, they all. Well, not all. Of them, no, but, but they, no, no, no. But, they, so, but they, some of them do. They open with like the spell at the beginning. Like it's literally the first moment of the movie. Yeah, remember? But, well, they do that in the Polanski one. They also do it in Jill Cohen's. They do it in the Polanski one. Yeah. Kind of. No, but they're walking through the... They're walking on the beach, and they do the spell. And they, oh, I guess they and, do, don't they? Yeah, they, they, I mean, that's how the play starts, is, you know, when shall we three meet again, so... I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah, okay, fair in enough. In thunder, lightning, or in rain. Okay, I stand corrected. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but the, the witches are... Uh, more traditionally like witchy? universal monster witches. witchy yeah they're witchy yeah yeah <laughs> it's like double double toil and trouble or whatever yeah, yeah. double double to- uh toil and tr- toil and bubble bubble okay yeah and <laughs> i'm just like i'm kind of laughing like like this this movie is janky as fuck yeah i mean i can and that's the thing like i can only come down too hard in this movie i know it's like not really the film's faults yeah. a lot of the time right and like i said it's still a hell of an experience i don't think it's a bad movie um but yeah, it's um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just taking it as what it is, though. It just feels like an incomplete thing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, as we said, uh, it did not do well with critics at the time. Did not do well with audiences either. Made very little money. Was overshadowed by Olivier's Hamlet uh, in 1948. Um, that was seen as the sort of. I think he won the Oscar for that, right? Olivier, that was one of his so. Oscar wins. So it was a, a, a super big deal. Um, and this movie comes around and it's, it's, a, I think intentionally incomplete or to, in, intentionally sort of minimalistic in the That's way true, that yeah. it stages things. And I'll be honest with you, as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, this is probably Joel Cohen's most direct inspiration. Sometimes. For Tragedy to Macbeth. I mean, they're kind of a, a, the same movie in a lot of ways. The, obviously, the way that it's shot, the heavy use of shadows. It's the only two... Uh, well, I guess Th- Throne of Blood is also in black and white, but sure. they both have high contrast, very minimal sets. Uh, in Joel Cohen's case, that was intentional. In the case of Orson Welles, it's just because he didn't have enough money to build the set. Yeah. But in both ways, like... I, I felt like this movie uh, gave Joel Cohen the freedom to take things away rather mm. than add, you well, know? I think, I think Shakespeare just does that, though. Right, addition I, by subtraction. Where in these other movies, are they add a lot more. Like, the Roman Polanski Macbeth is, there's a lot of stuff on the screen. Like, oh, yeah. it is a sensory experience in many ways. Um, where, it, yeah, this one, like, I, I'm watching and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is just the Joel Cohen one, but not as good. You know, I wonder if I had seen it in a bubble without the Joel Cohen one. I saw the Joel Cohen one first. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would have a little more respect for it. But it does do some interesting things, you know? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of interest, it, as Orson Welles is wont to do. Um, the zoom fades when yes. he's reaching for the dagger are so, like, striking and different. Sure. It certainly gives you an impression, and you're like, ooh, that was not what I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Does it completely work? Mm, 
Mm. No. <laughs> See, I also thought like I couldn't find a good print of this. I watched no, like, a version yeah. of it on YouTube. I, I had the same problem. Is there a 1080 version that exists somewhere? Because I'd like to see that one. There, yeah, me too. Me too. Me it too. was really janky. Uh, not entirely clear what was happening at any given moment. There was dubbing, which you know I can't fucking oh, yeah, stand yeah. the dubbing <laughs> in the movies. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely an artifact of its time for sure. Yeah. There's in, there's instances where they they they. Uh, they don't land lines correctly. Like there's like when um, uh, McDuff is told that his um, his family has been killed. Uh, there's an instance where I th- I think it's Roddy McDowell starts his line and then he's interrupted really quickly and uh-huh. it's like ooh you and, and they didn't do another take probably because they couldn't afford it yeah and I was like oh boy okay that was not good right. and there's lots of like really really like you know janky instances like that where you could just tell that they they were struggling to get this thing made mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Uh, Wells had did uh, had had did had done <laughs> um, a, uh, a a stage version of Macbeth before this movie in 1936 with his New York City theater crew. Uh, it was called Voodoo Macbeth, and it had an all black cast. Okay. Um, it was then uh, again performed in 1947. Um, and he took certain aspects of that production and put it into the movie. Thought that was kind of interesting, just as this weird parallel that Orson Welles was the one that first put a black person in Macbeth, and then or then Joel Cohen, several decades later, is doing Macbeth with a black lead yep. and a black Macduff, and it's also shot in a similar way and takes you know a lot of uh, a lot of notes from this movie. I, I I I don't know. I think that the parallel is kind of interesting there. I know I'm not sure Joel is is drawing directly from this movie as he is so much classic cinema and also classic theater yeah and sort of the way he uses artifice and it's also very uh german expressionist yes um he has referenced it in interviews okay that's good yeah he has said like yeah this movie i watched it and i saw him take liberties and it sort of oh gave gave me the the freedom freedom to take liberties myself you know well you can't i mean and as i said before that's kind of it's part of the nature of Macbeth is like this a little bit of suspension of disbelief very real but also not quite real Mm -hmm. and that's you know part of the fun of of this particular play um yeah i mean i i do i do like the movie um yeah it's just maybe i'm spoiled that could be a big part of it sure because i really think these other ones are sort of great in their own ways some are better obviously some are way better than others but mm-hmm. uh it's it's for me is by far the least interesting i'll say that okay by far the least interesting all right let's move on yeah anything else you want to say about it no no it's 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 fine it's fine <laughs> uh next up 1957's throne of blood directed by your boy the big homie that's right akira kurosawa akira kurosawa starring Toshiro Mifune and Izuzu Yamada. I have to read this again. A war-hardened general, egged by egged on by his ambitious wife, works to fulfill a prophecy that he would become Lord of Spider's Web Castle. That was the original title for the movie. Interesting. Spider's Web Castle. Uh, this is the one adaptation on the list that is not a direct adaptation in that they are not reading the transcript of the original <laughs> Macbeth play in order to do the movie but it is uh in many ways uh, very much a, a direct adaptation very very much i mean be, almost beat for beat the same and 
the it's an interesting example of how uh i like i said earlier how malleable the source material actually is and how it doesn't like just the story itself crosses you know any sort of cultural boundaries doesn't really matter yes just that idea of dark ambition and and psychological deterioration and you know if applied in the right context can work anywhere mm-hmm. um and it's and it's a funny example of like yes they don't borrow the language of Shakespeare at all. I mean, there's none of that here. There's no prose that could be found, no, none of that poetry. Interestingly enough, though, um, it, what it what it disposes of with the language, it makes up for for the performance. So I've always thought that while, yes, the Shakespeare language is not there, the performances are very, very, very there and feel very close to some of the, the versions of this play that I've seen that, that you know, have that sort of bigness to them. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very, uh, this almost feels like a precursor to which uh, Kurosawa will do later with Ron, with the makeup, with the way it's shot, how, how fucking wide it is all the time, how like few close-ups there ever are, how, how he only ever like, like, like uh, pans the camera, he never like moves it on a dolly or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's just, and it has that same level of bigness and scale and same level of bigness in their performances that feels very Shakespearean. Yes. So, um, yeah. Uh, this movie's incredible. This movie's really fucking good. Yeah. This is like, um, yeah. yeah, it's a ph- phenomenal movie. <laughs> this is immediately. Oh, I won't go that far. One of my two or three favorite Kurosawa movies. It's my one of my three favorites. Yeah, yeah. I think it's yep. it's. Uh, God, I love High and Low so much. High and Low, I think, still is the number one spot, but I think this one's number two, and Seven Samurai is number three. I wow, think, I think that's how I would do it. Yeah. Uh, Damn. This movie is so fucking great. Yeah. Um, makes all of the necessary changes. Mm-hmm. I would say to Big Beth. Sure. Um. I'm not going to go criticize Shakespeare at all, but like I will say the Macduff character never made much sense to me. This movie takes the Macduff character completely out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which I, uh, you know, whether it's a, a lost record or, you know, or, or was intentional, like I, I do think the, the, the villain of the movie is Macbeth himself. And I think the more squarely you put his mental breakdown at the center of it, the more effective it is. Do you view Macduff as the villain? Cause I never ever do. Well, I'm not antagonist. Maybe is what I would say. Well, it works in opposition to the hero in the strictest sense. But I mean, we're talking about Macbeth here. Sure. You know, you're talking about in a literal sense, he's an antagonist and that he's going up against the protagonist, but the protagonist. No, I don't mean bad guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean Macbeth. I don't mean Macduff is the bad guy. Point being, I think if the more you focus in on Macbeth's character or Lady Macbeth's character Mm. and uh, as Throne of Blood does really zone in on a complete mental breakdown that leads in self-destruction and only self-destruction. Um I, I just think it plays a lot more cinematically than here's a guy who is avenging his kid and just kills the the you know the lead of the play. Mm. You know, I, I do think the fact that the village and the kingdom turn on him and Oh, it's a great scene. It's a great scene <laughs> as well. But just yeah. the I the idea of like uh you brought this upon yourself. You know, this is not just 
a sword fight that you get that you lost that this is a much larger sort of the world is closing in on you we, I don't need a Macduff you know what I'm saying that's well that's the only failing of the movie for me funny enough because I mean the tragedy of the story in Macbeth is not so much Macbeth himself as it is just that story in particular like it's greater than Macbeth I mean the whole idea with with the story for me was that this could literally happen to anybody and that it's just this essentially you know he's you know he's a general but like Macbeth always felt very small and contained to me mm-hmm. you know there's nothing like like sprawling about the story it just feels like one contained incident of evil that happens on this planet and could literally you know like I said happen anywhere yes so it's more about like the world at large just like swirling its players into something nasty so it's okay that you know even though like yeah Mac- Macbeth is you know, he's he's really the main focus that you want to you know contend with. But I think I've always felt like some of these adaptations kind of miss the point if they, I don't know, dispose of all the other you know, shitty things that everyone else is going to be doing. I th- I've always thought that that was very important. Huh. So yeah, okay. I I, I lose. I actually do. So you wish there was a Macduff character in that? I love Macduff, man. <laughs> I've always okay. loved Macduff. But again, p- part of, I mean, he he's sort of necessary for me for like to further emphasize that like tragedy of this world that they're in more so than just Macbeth himself. Mm. Um, but also just th- this idea that even though he has a so- so-called victory, there's a lot of implications that the victory is ultimately meaningless which is what certain adaptations deal with and how it's this funny cycle that some do and some don't though. Yeah, I know some, some play that as it is a victorious moment. Like he, he like Macduff kills him and, and fucking Banquo's son becomes King and that's the end of it. And it's like a happy ending, you know, like Macbeth is, is defeated. Whereas this one is just fucking depressing. You know, this one is, it's not the most depressing, but, uh, I suppose not. No, it's not the most depressing. Yeah, (laughs) I guess it's not. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. Like the I can't get past like McDuff just shows up in the second act, the third act or whatever and like He's in the first act, there's little, not briefly. not as much, yeah. Yeah, he but, flees, you know. Right. But yeah, uh, he kind of just shows up out of there out of nowhere and Macbeth kills his family and I'm sort of unclear why he kills his family. That never made much <laughs> sense to me. I don't know if like Shakespeare scholars could explain that to me. Could you explain that to me? Why he kills Macduff's family? Well, he does it out of like a like an insane urge. It's like he's just losing his mind and going paranoid. It's a similar reason for why he kills Banquo. Ban- sure. It's just like he feels Yeah, like but the Banquo the- betrayal at least lands because we saw Banquo and him hang out as pals before, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the the point is almost like this is like Macbeth like kind of going out of control and being rash and just like throwing punches all around him and he just so happens to hit the wrong thing and it's yeah. it's Macduff and as a result that ends up being part of his downfall yeah it's just it's just, again it's just kind of him further losing his mind he didn't need to kill uh uh mcduff's kids but something that that, that weird like bug inside of him told that told him that he had to in order to you know take this guy out <laughs> yeah i i just prefer the ending of this to the rest of the Macbeth stories i really do i mean it's not as it's not as cinematically pleasing or dramatically pleasing getting shot at by thousands of arrows it's not as satisfying as the Polanski ending uh yeah but it's fucking cool though. it's cool no it's I, fucking cool well, well i have to be very <laughs> i have to be very clear here this is number two for me oh interesting yeah really yeah really okay yeah 
Those arrows meant nothing to you. Huh? Oh, I love the no. Okay. No, I fucking love this movie. Dude. Oh, all right. Okay. This is okay. one of the early films that made me fall in love with Akira Kurosawa. Because I'm watching this, I'm like, holy shit, they're actually shooting arrows at this guy. Yeah, and you see the behind the scenes, and they are actually doing it. Yeah, the the I was not able to find a a complete recollection of of this behind the scenes thing. Um, some people say that like there were strings attached to the arrows. Other people say that no, he was just like pointing to spots on the wall that he wanted the archers to shoot and then the archers would shoot that way it's probably more likely yeah it, like i mean obviously the part where it goes through his neck is a is a a, a match cut but right. a really well done match. oh my god the moment it happens it's just sure you know, ugh, so good uh yeah apparently during filming mafune would wave his arms which was how the actor indicated his intended bodily direction yep so it's a crazy a lot of trust in those archers it's crazy. there <laughs> <laughs> you know, freaking Leo is fucking sleeping with a bear in the Revenant or whatever. Yeah. Sleeping with bear skin around him in the Revenant. You yeah. sh- you ain't seen nothing yet, dude. Yeah, whatever. That's, that's what I'm always saying. It's like, guys, have you seen a single one of these movies? Give me a fucking break. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I yeah, I just absolutely adore that ending. They also, yeah, great, which yeah. is a nice. Here's the thing: Shakespeare plays, and I think it's just the style of the time, and also because it's theatrical. They describe things that are happening on screen or on stage very literally. Mm-hmm. So when they talk about the prophecy of the forest moving towards the kingdom, essentially, and it's uh, not my favorite use of that, by the way. So, which is see, which, this is where I so disagree with you in this movie. Yes. Yeah. No, not my favorite. In the other movies, they have a scene, and I think this was the case in the play and the movies wanted to have loyalty to the source material where the characters are shown cutting down the trees and they specifically say everybody pick up a tree or whatever yeah yeah yeah, exactly right this one they just show the forest moving and then at the end they reveal that it's the people marching towards the the gates carrying the trees yeah yeah it's that one is shown one is told yeah and i do feel like sometimes with these adaptations because it's shakespeare and because everyone wants to do it right they keep a lot of the telling in there because it would play well on the stage whereas you can show it on screen with less words you know sure sure well that's the thing it's it's the thing about shakespeare too is that like his ideas are just they're they're just visually phenomenal they sort of one of the reasons why they're always adapted is that they kind of lend themselves to more cinematic approaches because it's like jesus this is really interesting and creative and it would look so great on a on a more of a you know a cinematic perspective you know there's so much you can do with that mm. and it's like on because you do sometimes look at those plays and you're like uh, you know on a on a theater like, yeah, you get the pure experience, but there's so much more you could get away with if you just, you know, tweak it a little bit or focus a little more with a camera here and there. And, you know, these movies certainly prove that, particularly with those scenes. But I mean, yeah, dude. Yeah, it's this is, like again, number two. Okay. Number two. Interesting. Yeah. Because, for, for example, you're right, like for in Joel Cohen's, so like I loved it, but that scene... I love it when Denzel opens the the shutters, but yeah. the moment where they pick up the branches is just so silly to me. Right. It's like you you don't you clearly don't need this. But as Cohen said, like he had not really done any Shakespeare before this. I mean, some of his stuff might have been loosely inspired by Shakespeare. He was not a Shakespeare fanatic by any sense. No. Uh Francis McDormand was the one that actually convinced him to do it. She really wanted to do Macbeth. Because she's been Lady Macbeth for years. Right. Yeah. Um and so, you know, I, I think someone like that, even if you're friggin' Joel Cohen and you have, you have done more for moving picture than almost anyone alive, 
he still feels like, oh, I got to make sure I do this right. Like at Shakespeare, I can't fuck with this. <laughs> yeah. You know, even Joel Cohen could get this, you know, yeah, can't sure. fuck with the source material yeah. anxiety. It's no, Joel, I, as much as I uh, pulling back the curtain, I love Joel Cohen's, but it's not my favorite on this list. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was, it was, it's sort of liberating to watch one that is not a direct adaptation that can sort of say, okay, maybe this works better on screen. Maybe that works better on screen. You know, maybe an arrow filled finale is more interesting, you know, or, you know, the, all the scenes with Lady Macbeth, the, the, the way that, uh, she, she sort of fades into the darkness when she gets the poison for the soldiers, like all of that stuff. Well, that's just, that's Akira Kurosawa. So though. much of it is implied though yeah. through movement, whereas, in the Shakespeare play, it's like the two of them are talking. Oh, we're going to fucking kill this guy, right? And they're like, yeah, we're going to kill this Which guy. Which is fun it's in its own way. Sure. For, for sure. Like, I, like the, the, a lot of that dialogue is just so bananas that I just love listening to it and watching them try to justify why they should go and do this. Yeah, almost works better as an audiobook, though. Sometimes. sometimes you know? d- depends, though. Yeah. You know, again, there is there's just one adaptation. There, There's a movie on this list that I just think is flawless. Okay. It's just it's just perfect. Okay. But, um, yeah, um... Yeah, this is this is excellent. It's so close, so fucking close to being the best. It's just not quite, not quite there. Okay, not quite there. And the, the part of the reason for that is because, you know, uh, Akira Kurosawa's uh, like life experience is, I'm sure, fine to make Macbeth. But there's one other dude whose life experience is perhaps a little bit better. Macbeth from 1971, <laughs> directed by Roman Polanski, starring. John Finch, Francesca, 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 Anas, Anas, who you know from Dune. I do, Lady Jessica from the original Dune, That's right? right? Yeah. And Terrence Baylor plays Macduff. A ruthlessly ambitious Scottish lord seizes the throne with the help of his scheming wife and a trio of witches. You get it? It's Macbeth. Mm. Uh, this movie <laughs> comes as you just implied in the wake of the Sharon Tate murder. Why he wanted to make this, aside from just the most intense case of catharsis you could ever imagine, I have no idea. That, that's that got to be the only reason. Sure. Because, like, this would fuck with me so bad right. after make, after anything like that. I I, I mean, I, I literally can't fathom it. Roman Polanski flees Los Angeles, goes to Europe, um, struggled to get the financing. Finally, a, a man by the name of Hugh Hefner. <laughs> Cops up three point five million dollars. That's why uh, he's listed as an executive producer. It is uh, technically a Playboy film, a Playboy production, one of the first, maybe the first nationally released Playboy production. Um, and uh, yeah, this movie is your favorite, huh? Not even close. What? Not even close. Okay. I once described this movie to someone as it, it's like had because you know I, every once in a while I meet someone who likes Shakespeare uh-huh. and hasn't watched all these adaptations, and someone who even likes Macbeth. Okay. And they're like, "Oh, what do you think about this one?" And I said, "It's like swimming in spiders." Uh. That's what this movie feels like. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sure. It's. F- See, I was told this going in, though, like there's going to be all this violence and nudity. And then it's I went that. into it. And I'm like, eh, it's not right. that so much. I guess <laughs> it's violent. It's uh, looks kind of tame by today's standards, though. I don't know. I completely disagree with you. Really? <laughs> I think this movie's foul. OK, I think this movie's. Oh, dis- it's definitely foul. I think yes. This movie's disgusting. I think this movie is one of the most unsettling atmospheres I've ever experienced, frankly. OK, it's perhaps the only one of these adaptations to find 
that wonderful balance that I don't think could be ever struck again in a Shakespeare adaptation where it's like, because they're all kind of leaning one in one direction. As I keep alluding to one has wants to be more surreal than the other one wants to be a little more realistic. And I'm like, they're this plays kind of a blending of the two. Uh, and like I said, they're all, they're always going in one direction or the other. And this is the only one to make that, that balance and do it like seamlessly where it's just this, I don't quite, you know, sometimes you're not quite sure what's real, but it all always feels very tangible. It's this thing where you need to take a shower after it. You're constantly affected by just a wide shot of a beach. A wide shot of a beach is terrifying to me in this movie. Hmm. You know, the, the music is, oh, the music in this movie, <laughs> Ugh. I love it. I hate it, but I love it. Mm. It's it's just it's this movie. This movie just kind of fucked me up and brought me on this bizarre psychological journey that this play probably should. It's also this great example of like, yeah, it's very faithful. There is this coldness to it in a way in that it's just brutal and harsh and doesn't care. Sure. And it's very honest about the world. And again, feels like that tragedy of the world more so than Macbeth that I was kind of alluding to before, which is always more compelling to me where everyone, whether they know it or not, is kind of at fault. Uh-huh. And especially with that ending where it's like, you know, Macbeth is, it, <laughs> Macbeth's a monster. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, but, but at the same time, there is this sadness that it, there was no way he was ever going to get out of this. I'll tell you what, though, man. When they cut his head off. Oh, God. And then they're sort of parading him through the town, and you get the point of view That's shot. I, yeah. Of, from the severed head's point of view, through the, through the dead eyes, essentially, and you see the entire crowd just laughing at him. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, there really is like a sort of monstrous, like, oh, shit, what did we just do here? You but know? they don't acknowledge it. Sure. We, we as the audience acknowledge yeah, it. Yeah, we killed the tyrant, but now we're just creating another one. There is, yeah, you're right. There is sort of an inevitable sort of, yes, yeah, cyclical nature yeah. to this thing. And that's when Donald Bain goes to the witch den at the end, which they, ch- I, that's that's another weird version of the yeah, ending. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's Fleance, sometimes it's Donald Bain. I don't know, I don't know why, yeah. but yeah, whatever. Uh, but you're, yeah, exactly, where it's just like the 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 world is this is this this monster that just turns you into something, you know, horrible and disgusting. It's not, not all the movies end like that, though, right? They don't all end to going back to the, the witch's den. <sighs> the Cohen one ends with uh, no, the, the Co- kid ro- riding off. No, I mean, it does. It's Fleance and Ross, but it implies that they go to the witches with the crows they always do a version oh, of it. going back to the sister's fate got it um so yeah they kind they, there's this acceptance of the fact that but this is kind of what i'm talking about how you know the, the the world element is more the tragedy of Macbeth because a lot of like the acceptance of what the play is is this idea that it is this cyclical thing even after your big tyrant is dead there's going to be another tyrant and sure. whether it doesn't matter if it's Fleance Ross or Donald Bain who whomever you know it's you know um, Malcolm is going to be the next king killed it's just as simple as that right you know yeah uh definitely performances what do you think of the performances here it is the best use of the prose that's for sure we're talking about okay. we're talking about like again this great blending like I understand it pretty well here uh-huh. and I thought it was very again this is what, kind of what you're talking about before where it is just very satisfying to me sure and I just think John Finch rocks in this movie yeah I really love John Finch in this movie he's my he's possibly my favorite really yeah yeah yeah, yeah I do. really I do yeah I love him uh I favorite Fastbender's my least favorite we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> I have a lot of funny thoughts on that one, but um, but I no, I I, I would say probably he's 
Yeah, uh, maybe I like him better than Orson Welles. I thought he was good. Yeah, no. I thought he was fine. I don't know it's, if he necessarily has that movie star thing. It's that a matter Mifune of or Denzel had. Yeah, it's a matter of taste at that point. Though. Sure. I mean, I could argue, you know, Denzel's almost not playing Macbeth. Yes, you could definitely make that. that that's argument. the problem. It's like I'm sure could, but whatever. Yeah. Um, that yeah, that's where I'm saying the taste thing comes in. I just think John Finch is excellent at delivering this prose. I think they're all great at it, and I think they also add a, like again that really ambiguous uh, like side of humanity. Like one of the problems that um, like the Lady Macbeths always play all almost all of them, uh, particularly uh, the one in Orson Welles, is that they don't seem to be genuine. If that may- like like Francesca. Um, uh, Anis, how do you say her last name? Honest Anis? I don't fucking know. But anyway, when she's delivering the lines of, of like, like, you know, we shall not fail or unsex me now and all that other stuff. She's saying it like, like, no, this is a good idea. Now, listen to me. This is a good idea that we're doing this. Trust me. It's going to work. And, mm. it, but all the other ones play it like, we're going to get him and we're going to, you're going to, you're going to stab him. We're going to be, you're going to be king. I'm going to be uh, Some queen. of them yes and some of them no. Yeah. No, but that's what yes. I was, this, this is one of those great examples where she just completely believes that this is the right thing she to do. She is not sort of one dimensionally. No. Evil. Yes. No. And I fucking love that about, it's actually, I think my favorite, uh, Lady Jessica. This is the thing. It has a lot of like favorites on my list. Not Lady Jessica. La- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Macbeth. Yeah. Lady Macbeth. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I, I'll I'll save my thoughts on the on the Kurtzel one in a second. But I feel like they went even further with that idea with the Marion Cotillard. Well, they go too far with it, in my opinion. I 100 percent agree with yeah. that. Whereas you're right. I think the the earlier adaptations, the Wells one, and certainly the Throne of Blood adaptation. It's just like you make her. She's not. She is like the root of this man's evil. You know what I mean? Which is like not true, and I'm not even sure that's true to the Macbeth source material. Material either. You know? No, I, I understand the mistake you could make. I, I mean, I guess it's not a mistake. She's asking her husband. It's a good idea to kill someone. Sure. So I understand why you would be like, no, Fredder is a monster because sure, they're they're all shitty people. But that's the problem. They're all shitty people in this play, right? But yeah, it's not it's just not as interesting to me. It's it's way too comical when I see it done and it's 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 often quite annoying and I'm like when I, when I see it done this way, I'm just like that is so much more fascinating to me, so much more real to life. And yeah, it, god, I can just connect to that so much easier. And I'm and it, I, I don't know. I don't know. It makes me buy her her uh downfall in a much more tragic way, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. So when you so when you get to the lines of like like uh, out damn spot or, or anything like that it's like that that scene in particular in this one is so weird she's naked in that, that naked that's yeah it. just yeah. so odd and it's the again it's my favorite version of that scene too huh. <laughs> it's got every yeah. but see this is what i like about throne of blood though is that they just sort of happen upon lady Macbeth as she's doing it that's how they they always do it though not really because in the other ones they so have they have two people narrating what's happening no they happen upon her and you know what I'm All saying? No, they, they the only one that they don't is the Kurtzel one. Yeah, Joel Cohen's. They just walk upon her and they're like, "Yeah, I saw this lady. Oh, there she is." Right, yeah. but in, in most adaptations, they are narrating what is happening to her. Yeah. Oh, you mean talking about it as she's right. doing? Whereas it? Whereas yeah. this one, it's like they just find her there and she's already mid act. You know, and there's something like really effective about that for yeah. me. I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, that's just a Shakespeare thing. It's like sometimes you just put narrators in the scenes that have nothing to do with the play itself because sure. that's what you do on stage sometimes, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, it's it's kind of flat in the Curacao one to me. Okay. 
Yeah, because I saw it, and I was like, oh, that's it. That's that's the way you're doing it. Okay. It's actually not, yeah, not my my favorite. I, I actually, it's also visually not as interesting. I mean, there's something about the way her naked body. I'm sorry, I'm talking about it like this, but the way <laughs> no, seriously, the way her naked body is is <laughs> lit is is lit against the fireplace as she's just yes. walking towards the the dish, and they're just standing right behind her. It's yeah. just a very odd image of and trying to contend with what's going on, mm. and then you realize then it's the great reveal of the fact that you know they they killed a. Uh, um, uh, Duncan in the room, and mm-hmm. yeah, I I don't know. It's it's the perfect blending of weird and disturbing. That's this whole movie for me. It's certainly that, yeah, yeah. for sure. And it's also the biggest feeling. It is the most grand. Of- I think Throne of Blood is the biggest. Okay. <laughs> because it is just such an obvious precursor to Ron, in my opinion. Uh, in so many ways, cinematically, for sure. Okay, is there a big? action sequence though at the beginning i'm not sure there is is there not that big of an action sequence in this you have the great shot of the vista of the beach but that you don't see the action sequence oh i guess that's true you don't actually see the battle at the beginning there's only one that like shows the battle oh true yeah right uh yeah gilbert taylor shot this thing he 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 uh, was the cinematographer on a little film called star wars hmm. don't know if you've heard of it i certainly haven't and uh, yeah, all the fun facts I found about this are involving very insensitive <laughs> Sharon Tate jokes. Oh, God. When crew members suggested to Roman Polanski that perhaps the film was too unrealistically gory for his own good, Polanski reportedly replied, I know violence. You should have seen my house last summer. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, good movie. Very good movie. Liked it a lot. Is it my favorite? No. Um, But as you said, that's sort of a taste thing. I think more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Next up. 2015's Macbeth. Yep. Directed by... Why do I keep saying Jeremy Kurtzel? Justin Kurtzel. Is there a T in his name? Kurtzel? No. Ah, I was like, Kurtzel? Kurzel. Kurzel. I am an asshole. You're right. (laughs) I was like, oh God. I hope you have <laughs> Did I just take the did endless I just cor- diarrhea today? Did I just correct you on the T in a director's name that I that I've only seen two movies? Jesus Christ. I hope explosive diarrhea is in your face. <laughs> That's terrible. I do apologize. <laughs> this is the last time you're picking a topic for the show. Are you it's sure there's over. a it's sh- over after this? Andy, are you sure there's a T in his name? Might be the last episode ever. You never know. <laughs> oh god. This guy went on to do the Assassin's Creed movie. Did you ever see that? No. Shit? No. And uh Knit Ram, which is a movie you liked a I lot from really last year. Ram. Yeah. Uh Michael Fassbender stars with Marion Cotillard, David Thewlis, and Sean Harris. Macbeth, the Thane of Clampus, receives a prophecy from a trio of witches that one day he will become the king of Scotland. Consumed by ambition and spurred to action by his wife, Macbeth murders the king and takes the throne for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a- another movie that like did well in the festival circuit or whatever didn't get the Oscar love that it was so desperately seeking and didn't make a ton of money at the box office. Made I think no money at the box office. I, I don't even think it broke even. Um... Yeah, so this is sad, Macbeth. But this is like, you know, like this is <laughs> what what do you call it? Is it, it um 
I, I, I don't know. I, I, I hesitate. I hesitate to use the word Malicky because it's Malachy. not really Ter- It's kind of Terrence Malick and just like the way certain shots are composed, oh. but not really tonally. It's it's the most tone poemy. I would say maybe the- James Gray is a better comp. Uh, you think so? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's it. it this one has always felt like the biggest, like I don't know, psychological drama, if that makes any sense. A lot of whispering in this movie. Yeah, you know what it is actually like. It's a lot like a Nolan movie. A lot of whispering. I'm not sure if I agree with a that. Lot of whispering. You a lot think of it's dialogue. like a Nolan movie? Very serious. No humor. We just whisper things. Why that's is a, that the comp for that's Nolan? That's how you know. That's how you know. We're, no humor. We're not is... supposed to laugh. <laughs> That's how you know we just whisper the lines all the time. It's not loud enough to be a Nolan film. That's the problem. Well, no, but the dialogue in Nolan films are very quiet. And then he goes, boom. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck's that guy saying? Like that bass drop is drowning out all the whispering. Yeah, but this is this moves totally differently than a Nolan movie. Yeah, but there's so much whispering. Okay, so there's whispering, I see. <laughs> yeah, sad Macbeth, man. Lots of slow-mo. Lots yeah. of whispering. Yeah. The church, the, the, the witches are like, uh, are fucking sexy in this. Yeah, that was the weird thing. <laughs> Sexy witches this time, yeah. and also a little girl witch. Mm-hmm. There's four witches now, and they just sort of walk around all like angsty. You didn't think the witches were sexy in the Polanski one, all muddied up and stuff like that? Didn't think so. Mm-hmm. Not really into that uh, Pornhub <laughs> category. But you know it's there. <laughs> yeah. But I know it's there. Rolling in the mud. You're going to get some UTIs, man. Is this dialogue meant to be whispered? I say no. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand what they're going for. Because it's hard enough to understand as it is. So it's like, why whisper it? Well, it's just, (laughs) I, I think there is something to the way that Joel Cohen did it, which was like, listen, I'm not a Shakespeare guy. You're not a Shakespeare guy. Let's just fucking make this as simple as we possibly can. You know what make I mean? It's clear as Let's possible. Let's make the acting very broad. Let's make the sets very minimal. Let's convey what's going on with the score and the cuts. And let's really, you know, whereas this one, it's, yeah, the movie just goes on and on and on. And a lot of people whispering all the time. It's it's the most experimental of, of all of these. Yes. It's, it's, I, I, I think it's a technically better film than the Orson Welles one. Um, whether or not which one you like more, again, it's a matter of taste. I like the movie. Um, it's also the most black and white, uh, ironically. In what way? And, and just in terms of balancing out the the human nature side of it all, where it's like uh, Macbeth is a bad guy, bad guy, but he's also a good guy. Sure. It's like <laughs> it's like the old. <laughs> we're not bad people, but we did a bad thing. It, it, Again, we're going to talk about this when we talk about the, 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 Joel, the Joel Cullen one, but like a lot of like the indication of the direction for these movies is how de- actors deliver the prose. Mm. So like, like in a lot of versions, you'll see, like, like in, for, for example, the, the Polanski one, when, he, when uh, uh, McDuff's, you know, reveals that he was not of woman born, you sure. know, like despair thy charm and let the angel whom thou still have served tell thee that Macduff was from his mother's womb untimely ripped. And, uh, fucking and, nerd. Sorry. He I'm wasn't not, even reading it. He literally had that through memory. Guys. I love it. Okay. But, uh, you, but, then, but then you get, but like, like in Polanski's it's, it's, uh, the response is, I will not fight with thee. And then in this one, it's, oh, I will not fight with thee. Right. 
And yes. there's a noble yep. And nope, he should be pathetic. Right. He should be pathetic. Right. That was a bad approach. Right. I see what you were going for, but no. Right. This guy stabbed the dude a hundred fucking times. Sure. And basically, and looked at and looked at Donald Bain and was like, basically like, yeah, I fucking killed your father. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> yeah, sometimes, I think we've talked about this before, subtlety is overrated, you know? Yeah. Like sometimes... Or Malcolm, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah sometimes subtlety is just... It, it's it's uh, it, in certain contexts it works, but like movies sometimes are meant to be black and white. Certain thing, if you want to say something about your movie, at some point you have to come out and say it. You but know? it's both, Nico. That's what it is. it's both very subtle right. and very on the nose. That's sure. why it's so weird. Sure, sure, sure. You know? Yeah, right. And it, it's and that's it, again, it adds for a very unique experience where it's both very high, very low, all at the same time, and it makes for this strange whirlwind experience. Um. It does it sometimes it works very very well for me but then there's other instances where i'm just like okay i can't watch this scene without thinking about this scene and most notably i think it's the scene where um lady lady macbeth is you know dealing with the fact that she's kind of losing her mind and you know and she's contemplating like like ending it all and out damn spot the the, the contrast between that scene and when she's conspiring to kill Duncan is so weird. Yeah, let's talk about that scene. It is so. <laughs> I they, when when you when you imagine Shakespeare going like, calm down, right? That's a problem. Right. <laughs> when Shakespeare would be like, chill out for a second. <laughs> so let's talk Cotillard here. So I, I think in general, Fassbender is playing like a really detached psycho for most of the movie, mm-hmm. even though the movie at times tries to. Uh, redeem him in some way yeah I mean he's playing really fucking over the top psycho Mm -hmm. and Lady Macbeth is playing for the most part like sort of frail victim which is weird even though she is responsible for the murder of the king she's playing frail victim towards the second half right not at the beginning she's she's like seductress maleficent right whatever you want to call that character right but just like, you know, like femme fatale to an ex- to an even greater extreme, right? It's, and then when you get to the out, yeah, damn spot part, it's she's like a, a sort of she, a, a frail. It's a tender scene, yeah, in many ways. And listen, she's great in the movie. She's really she's good. very good, but she's very good in the movie. But it's kind of like impossible to play this material in the way that they asked her to play it. No, know, without yeah, making yeah. absolutely no sense whatsoever. Yeah, that, yeah, that that's that's. <laughs> That's the thing. It's just the tra- the transition is not is not earned, and that's what kind of what I was saying before. It's like there are crazy moves that the characters need to make in ter- in terms of their arcs, but like the Polanski one finds this great transitional balance and starts them off in a very realistic place where they're the characters are just being honest with themselves, uh-huh. and it's able to kind of more naturally get them to that dark point where they're all about to snap. Yes. Uh and this one, it's very hard for me to buy, you know, like like the the finger twirling evil genius to the very frail victim that's been through a lot. Yes, it's it's just like nah, does not compute. No, yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm with you. It's yeah, it it's 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 kind of a cool movie. Like like there's just, it looks great. There's something about it's yeah, it, it looks visu- unbelievable. Visually the, and. <laughs> You no, know, it's funny. I when I when I watched it, and and then I saw the, when I saw the Green Knight, I kind of thought, hmm, you know, I I, I like that Mac, the look of that Macbeth one a little bit more than this because they kind of sim- remind me of a uh-huh. similar palette. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, this is this is a visually quite stunning movie. Adam Arkapod did the cinematography. He did True Detective season one. Ah, okay. Yeah, really awesome cinematographer. Uh, the the final battle. I mean, it's just gorgeous. What they they do is rather than uh, you know the 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 soldiers carrying the woods literally to the castle, uh, they burn the woods, and, and the ashes are meant to symbolize the woods coming home. And it's maybe it's it's at the very least the most clever interpretation of that idea sure and this movie does a lot of that like where you're like if if you're a fan of Macbeth, it's more for people like me who who it, where you you see it happen and the fans go like ah that was neat so like you know is is this a dagger which i see before me uh is done quite cleverly in this and i was yes. like oh Neat idea, and then the out damn spot as well. Very, very clever and interesting. And then when you get to uh, what's another really interesting part? I guess I guess like like I said before the uh, the part with the woods. Like I never would have thought about that. Yeah. And then when they do it, it's like, oh wow, that is such an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Huh, cool. Okay, neat. I'm glad you did that movie. Right. That can only take you so far. Hundred percent. Because because like I said, dramatically, it's nowhere near as satisfying as the other ones. But it's you know. <laughs> It's yeah. it's something. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, the movie's definitely trying. Uh, oh, I was trying a lot. They add this stuff yeah. at the beginning, uh, you know, of the loss of their son. They give Macbeth and Lady Macbeth the loss, the, a son who dies in battle at the beginning, and uh, it's sort of this is a movie about trauma in a lot of ways. That's sort of mm-hmm. the approach they take here. It's it's through the lens of trauma of a grieving parent and what they're willing to do in order to protect their legacy in some way, which is not something that was even hinted at in the, in the original play. Right. And that's the problem. Like there's too many like sympathetic victims in this. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, just let Macbeth fucking kill people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, 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 I don't know. Again, it's not that black and white, I guess. I mean, I mean, but I mean, maybe they're both black and white, but there's just something about this version that I'm just not, not as interested in when these characters are engaging in these particular acts. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so again, the intention was to make the... I'm, I'm reading this off of uh, IMDb. The insane quest for power displayed by both more plausible, understandable, and more deeply tragic for the audience. Uh, the apparitions from the Shakespeare's play from Shakespeare's play were augmented for the film by turning additional characters into phantoms in order to show a more modern take on psychological disturbance. Yeah, that's what So I'm- yeah, it's, it, it is definitely, when you say it is a modern adaptation... Uh, this is about as modern as you can get without literally changing the time period where it takes place. It's very Macbeth, though. It's very it's it's Macbeth. It's, all right. it's, still, it's Macbeth. still Macbeth. I mean, they're no, still no, using the script. Yeah, but. No, no question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just don't fucking whisper Shakespeare, man. Oh, yeah. You can yell it. So you just invite. I do like the movie. It's, I didn't vibe with it. it no. It's it's a cool movie. But yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I not I, my vibe. I, I agree. Like it didn't necessarily vibe with it. You know, it's that that type of whispering adds like a. a a moodiness to it and it's like Macbeth is moody enough as it is like you don't exactly you don't need to go that exactly. far with it exactly yeah well that's my take with like the new Batman it's like oh guys they're making a dark Batman but you haven't they se- are? you haven't seen it yet because- wait, wait wait what what if it's the best Batman D- dark you know ba- wait so you're telling me <laughs> you're gonna do Batman but, but it's gonna be dark wow like I feel the same way about this I'm like it was already pretty tragic, you know. Did you know Matt Reeves said I want to make the definitive Batman movie? Yeah, yeah. I'm so fucking out on this movie. Do I have my tickets pre-ordered? Absolutely, I do. But I'm so fucking out. I'm gonna sit there with my arms crossed the whole time. 
I'm probably going to sneak in some booze. What if it's better than the Dark Knight? Uh, there are tides that are that are you know prepping that party. Yeah, like listen, I want every movie to be good. Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> you act as a matter of fact. You once said to me, "I hope Dune is bad." That was the first time I was rooting for a movie to be bad. That is true. Just to get at you. <laughs> Whatever, man. Uh, that that's that's uh, 2015's Big Bad. It's good. Yeah, no, it's it's a good it's a really it's a good movie. Uh, am I a fan of all the direction? Not necessarily, but I you know mm. I appreciate it. Finally, 2015's the tragedy of Macbeth, the original title of the play. That's correct. Well, I mean, hey, the Polanski one is also called the tragedy of Macbeth when the titles roll up. Give give that Polanski one a little more credit, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. it's the it's the it's the. Uh, the 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 ever waging war between what the promotional material says the title of the movie is and what the title card says the movie is. I know, it's been a, that's the thing. We think it's a new thing with Fast and Furious. But I no, know, it's going on for ages. Uh, it's a real moral quandary. <laughs> <laughs> Take the red pill, guys. It's it's actually tragedy of Macbeth. Did you actually watch the uh, um, uh, uh, the new Matrix? By the way, yes. Oh God! We never talked about it. We didn't. <laughs> you referenced that you hated the action, and I figured, okay, so he saw it. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw it. I I think um, I don't think it's as bad as you and Nick said that it was. Although uh, I I I guess I didn't really care for it for reasons much different than you. Sure. You know, yeah. I I just thought it was kind of underwhelming visually. I don't think like the idea of it was that bad in fact it's attempting a lot of the same stuff that the new scream movie attempts yeah just in slightly less clever ways you know it's slightly like i don't know incompetent ways i would argue i don't know the more i've gotten away from it the more i think it's kind of dog i don't think the script is that bad oh my that would be god my oh go to hell that would what be are you talking take. about <laughs> I, I don't know I, I, I think it's interesting the way that they reboot it i think it's interesting that you essentially hardly feels like a movie to me <laughs> okay yeah i don't All know right. i don't okay. know man <laughs> I just think like they they said Lana Wachowski yeah we want you to reboot Matrix and she was like okay I'll I'll essentially do what Scream did which was reference the fact that I'm rebooting Matrix and yeah. I am you know trying to milk every la- last ounce of this dead body literally rebuild this dead corpse yeah. from the ground up she didn't do much building though did she you know yeah I no I don't I. I yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna do that, yeah, do Wes Craven's new nightmare. Just uh-huh. get, it's a th- it's a thing you can do successfully. No, I don't know. I didn't hate it as much. I thought there were some interesting ideas in it. Put it that way. Zero interesting ideas. I thought it sucked. Yeah, but see, you don't like the Matrix sequels either. I like this one. I I like the sequels a lot more than this. A lot. It's by far the the worst one I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it better than three. No. I see because I think three is the most boring ass sci-fi movie of the last 30 years give me four is the most boring sci-fi movie of the past 10 years i don't know i think it sucked man i like two yeah i i I know i enjoy two for what it is yeah Yeah. it's fun it's fun yeah that's the best way i can say (laughs) yeah i guess i didn't you guys were like oh we should do this for why is this a thing i think it is kind of i don't think it is yeah it's not no it's not i don't know that first act is quite horrendous (laughs) I don't know. 
I kind of like the idea of like. Why do you like this? You, you say you don't like meta shit, but then you kind of like meta shit. <laughs> well, I kind of like meta shit that is ashamed of the fact that it's meta. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is what the Scream movies are. Yeah. It's like we're meta, but we're like, we're. We're we're meta about the fact that we're meta. Yeah, you know, screen films aren't as stupid as this thing though. It's yeah. like I get what oh, you're they're doing. Both pretty fucking. Dumb. I, I, I get what you're. No, 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 no. I get what you're doing here, but there's a there's a there's an elegant way of going about this, and this is not it whatsoever. Mm. She's quite a milf, Nico. <laughs> <laughs> fucking milf. <laughs> Movie sucks, bro. <laughs> Two of them have pretty good chemistry. No, they I don't know. I'm coming around. <laughs> Listen, I was just, you know, I was going to come on muted. Now, but now, now you've awakened the I was dragon. Say, in now, me. now that I've in, introduced this you rage. Have, you have awakened the beast, my I friend. Thought, I thought their chemistry blew. I thought, you know what? It was truly a movie about their relationship, which I did not That's see coming. I did not see them going that whole hog in that direction and making it just a pure romance between the yeah, two. Yeah, it is. It's you know, like, it's a lot of that. Like, even in those original movies, like, okay, they fall in love, but that always to me felt like kind of the obligatory romance you put in any Hollywood action movie. Mm. This one, it's like, it is a full-on romance. There's yeah. like a meet-cute at the beginning and there's this journey for them to come together and there's this catharsis at the end. It is, it, it is deeply romantic. Yeah. Deeply. Sure. You know? I'm so moved when like they're he's trying to reach out for her and Neil Patrick Harris is comically zipping around them because <laughs> it looks so funny. It's so it's so adorable. Yeah, what what do they call bullet time and reverse? Oh or, my god, reverse bullet time. <laughs> I'm just like I am laughing at the film far too often, uh, far too often. How about Jonathan Groth as Smith in heavy quotes, <sighs> Mister Anderson. I mean, should have been Hugo Weaving. There's sure. no reason why it couldn't have been. He had to like drop out or something. I guess because he's too old. He's a wrinkly Smith. That doesn't make sense. He's a program. He can't be wrinkly. Oh wait, but they can just like CGI his wrinkles, can't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I kind of like Groff. Okay. I thought it was okay. <laughs> what about Morpheus? <laughs> the Morpheus stuff. Did you like that? In the, I in the bathroom. <laughs> I, listen, the action's bad. It's, I'm not going to defend the action. Oh, the action's fucking lazy. Yeah, it's terrible. It's really like lazy, mm. bad cinematography. I think in general, like I think it does the John Wick thing where they put a lot of neon lights in the frame yeah, and they try yeah, to trick yeah, yeah. you into thinking that it's good it cinematography. It's de- it, I, I will not defend the action or the the, the, the actual camera work. Eh, but I like Keanu in the movie. You I like Carrie Ann Moss in the movie. I, I the, like Carrie Ann Moss. I don't really like Keanu in the movie. There's a core to this. There's a core to this that I I, yeah. I think there there's something. <laughs> I think if she tried a little more with the action, it would have been a lot better. That's... I don't think... I, I think possible. You and Nick, though, are of the belief that just this thing was always destined to fail and that it is fundamentally wrong. And I think I disagree with that. I don't know. I think the direction is quite lazy across the board. I think that script is pretty uh horrendous though mm. i didn't see anything to glean from it i mean i no, but that's my point though it's like if you want this type of film there's a thousand better films that do it in a much cleverer way you don't sure you, know, you also don't need to do it with the matrix I, I don't know with our current environment there were just more profound ways of really getting to some of these issues too with our current you know you know with how our relationship with technology has changed and the best you can do is reference your own movie like come on i don't know 
No, but it's not so much reference your own movie. It's like what the cultural effect of the movie. Keanu fucking dies. Neo dies in those original movies. Yes. And he's ready to go. He makes the sacrifice for love or for whatever, for human race. Yeah. He's this messianic figure that, that you know, he, he gives it up. He gives it up for the greater good. And literally, the machines can't help themselves, much like Warner Brothers can't help themselves. They rebuild him brick by brick in this violent fashion <laughs> in order to squeeze the love that these two have for each other out of them. You know, there is something... Kind of like very, uh, very uh, antagonistic towards the studio system in those movies that, I, or at least in that movie specifically, that I think is interesting. Does it always work? Absolutely, it doesn't. Do I wish that it was better made? One hundred percent. I, I will just defend the movie's mission statement, though. I think that's what I will defend more than anything else. Uh, eh. Can't you can't you use the same argument against the fact that they're milking it at all? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The movie shouldn't have been made. Yeah, Yeah, whatever. I'm not sure it should, yeah. But if you're going to make it, isn't this how you make it? No. (laughs) How do you make it? More Adventures of Neo? Just like nothing ever happened? This is the old, yeah. Because that was dog shit, bro. (laughs) Mm. I don't know. Mm. You know, continuous story. Like, because this isn't really, I don't know. This doesn't seem interested in telling a story. It seems like a shit post to me. See, but I come back to that romance, though. It's not very well done, though. Yeah, you can say that. But it's not. You can say that, I guess. I don't I'm not sure people were very affected by that romance, dude. Yeah, I <laughs> I and I did not expect to be. But again, yeah. I didn't think I was getting that kind of movie. I thought we were just gonna get another action flick, and it wasn't that at all. I mean yeah. there was no, no, there no, was no, no poor no. action in it, but for the most part it was just like a lot of these two in a room together trying to fall in love. And it's like, whoa. Like I think that it, like I respected it too much to hate it. Do you know what I mean? That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to love it by the end of the year, though, man, if you keep this up. Yeah. I'll go on a limb and say Godzilla vs. Kong has more integrity than this shit heap. <laughs> Godzilla vs. Kong. Sorry, bro. I don't know. All right. Tragedy of Macbeth, 2021, directed by Joel Cohen, starring Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand, Brendan Gleeson, and Corey Hawkins. A Scottish lord becomes convinced by a trio of witches that he will become the next king of Scotland. And his ambitious wife supports him in his plans of seizing power. Okay. Uh, Cohen's broke up for now. For now, yeah. We'll see. Never say never, I guess. In the words of Tom Brady. There's no way they're done. No. Uh, Ethan wanted to do other things. Joel wanted to do Macbeth with his wife. I will say this. When I first heard the news that they had broken up, I was upset and I was even more upset. The 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 uh, sadness was compounded by the fact that I didn't really want this out of Joel Cohen. This is not the type of thing that I wanted to see him do. Mm. And uh, that is obviously not for me to say because he's a fucking genius and my favorite filmmaker ever. And he's allowed to do whatever <laughs> he wants and I will see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like I definitely this is this is not. It's just candidly not what I wanted out of a guy who is such a original creative mind in his own right. I didn't want him adapting material that had already been adapted five fucking times by other masters, you know. Uh, But watching the movie, I started thinking about this. I'm like, (laughs) you know, like the Coens do have a lot of like 
flowery dialogue in their scripts. Yeah. Like they have a lot of characters that monologue a lot. And some of their monologues feel of a piece with some of Shakespeare's monologues. Obviously, the language is a little different, but you know, in Tom Hanks in in The Lady Killers, or yeah, you know, uh, you know, maybe you know any of the characters really in Buster Scruggs that do this stuff. Sure, um, I would argue the uh, man who wasn't there has has a lot of that with their use of noir. Sure, um, but there. The way that dialogue is presented, also the the types of complicated lead characters. They don't generally uh, make movies about uh, you know unambiguous heroes. I I thought that too. Like like when when it was announced, I thought like oh you know something like Macbeth himself is a character that must appeal quite deeply to both Coens, honestly. Sure. So. And then so I started thinking about this more, and I'm like, okay, maybe this would work. And I'll be honest, I watched this movie and I fucking loved it. I thought yeah. all, all of it was really excellent does it mean that i would rather have this than a you know random cohen brothers comedy drama probably not i think i would still you know rather have another uh hail caesar frankly but it's good it's good it's really good yeah it's uh, no i think it's quite great you know yeah. quite great i think it's uh i think it's probably their best film since inside lewin davis yeah i like it more than buster scruggs man i do yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'd have to say. I like Buster Scruggs more. But okay. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I think this movie is uh yeah, it's <laughs> it's interesting as a Shakespeare adaptation. It's interesting as a, a Coen Brothers film and that it's not really a Coen Brothers film. Mm. Uh it's so many I, I I don't know if I've seen a film like this in a very 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 long time though, so. Yeah. You know, one that is you know, I mean I guess it's it is modern and then it's not modern at the same time. Yes, and so many things about this film should not blend well. I mean, there's a lot of things that are working in, against each other in terms of the technical aspects, but they still somehow manage to work. This film is filled to the brim with artifice. Mm -hmm. You know, like like every set is a set. There's a ton of digital. They shot digital, which is unusual for the Coens. Sure, uh, but Bruno. Knows how to fucking shoot, shoot in black and white. And this is the fucking key. Yes. Watch Belfast as I did a couple weeks ago. It, it, like these are two modern movies came out in the same year that both employ back black and white cinematography. Yep. And you can tell the difference between here's a guy that just shot on digital as if he was shooting in color and converted it all later and didn't think about it versus a guy that is purposely designing shots That's and designing lighting uh, situations that lend itself to black and white. Oh my God. I mean, the story itself is perfect for that. Like I've, I, I've actually imagined the story in black and white myself. Yeah. And I mean, it just adds to like that abstract nature of the story itself sure. and, and just all the images that come to your head. Very impressionistic. And that's like where the Wells movie. Yeah. But that's where the German expressionism, which is all over the fucking place in this movie. Yes. Uh, and also just the fact that a lot of this, apparently the sets were also painted black and white. Oh, interesting. There wasn't a lot of color on the set. Okay. So it sort of added to that, that dimension when they were actually going to light it and shoot it. Uh, -huh. uh and it is stark and cold and terrifying. Uh, at the same time though, it, yeah, it's, it's not icky at all i wouldn't i wouldn't go it's not icky in the way that like the polanski movie is it's just so weird and otherworldly you know again and it's like Macbeth has been otherworldly before and you think oh there's no there's no way they could possibly do it a different way but this is something wholly unique to me mm -hmm. um and yeah it's it's 
it's I don't know if I've seen another Coen Brothers film quite like this, which is cool, I guess, you know. I like that out of it. Uh it's <laughs> do you think Ethan's voice is a little missing here? Just out of curiosity? I don't think I would say that. No, I think it still felt like a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, I would probably say so too. Uh, you're doing Shakespeare though, so it's not a Coen Brothers script. A lot of it, you know, it when when I mean they've written all of their scripts, right? I guess it was just intolerable cruelty. Intolerable cruelty, they they took someone else's script and punched it up, I think. Yeah, I think so. But the rest of their movies they've written. So like, yeah, when when you don't have their very specific ear for dialogue, I think something does go missing. I thought in general though the way that the shots were composed and the and the Carter Burwell score and the oh yeah and the very specific editing style like yeah I, I, it did it felt Cohen to me um, yeah it's it's yeah it, it's tough to say I, I will say this is the first real hand to hand combat I've seen in a Cohen Brothers movie I couldn't think of one can you think of another one where like two characters are either punching each other or sword fighting each other because they don't do a lot of like traditional climaxes like that well they've done combat sequences in quotes I mean they, they did it with Buster Scruggs it's different kind of not really though but they're shootouts it's you know right you know it's 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 a little more intimate than that you know and a little little more tense and careful I guess you could say whereas like this one you know sword fights are just messy yeah you know, you know? I was thinking like maybe Raising Arizona has that I guess that end scene is like it's chaotic and there's punching involved but like yeah. again that's played for laughs it's a little more carefully constructed. I, I mean, again, they're all always carefully constructed, but yeah, this is no, not not quite like this though. This was the first time where I'm like, oh, this is different. Like I've never seen this in a Coen Brothers movie before somehow, and this feels like definitely a new tool in the arsenal that they pulled out. It's an action sequence, like a it's a sword fight, sure, you know? and they uh, just do a sword fight. Like 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 when when you get into like uh, Macbeth's uh, grand hallway with the with the shutters open and you can see the the trees outside, which is really really weird. Sure, uh, but that's like a really tense action scene where the sound design is absolutely perfect and you can just feel the blade going by your throat. Sure, and the blades feel heavy and they're really putting a lot of effort into those. And it's like one great wide that's on a on a dolly. I just I love those action sequences. But there's no like little wink. There's no like anti climax to the climax like in Big Lebowski where it's like they're about to fight in the parking lot and then. And and, uh, and uh, fucking Buscemi has a heart attack. Like there's there's none of that sort of Cohen's anticlimax climax. No, no, but because whenever they do adaptations, they're surprisingly trusting of the source material. Yeah, because I think they're like trusting of themselves. Like we picked this, we know what we're doing. So well, they pick let... movies though that also feel like Cohen Brothers. Yeah, movies. yeah, it, well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, it, yeah, precisely. Right. So yeah, I mean, No Country for Old Men. If you read that book, it actually plays like a Cohen Brothers movie. <laughs> yeah, and you can read it, and you're like, oh, this would be perfect for a Coen Brothers adaptation and yeah. they do it you know exactly exactly no you're right about those those uh those fight sequences it was very very strange to see but they did it well or he did it well yeah, yeah. I love that um the the most notable thing to talk about with this movie it's not even the way it's shot even though the way it's shot is brilliant as far as I'm concerned uh-huh. it's the way they do the Shakespearean drama right because I was telling you this before we even like a couple weeks back and I was so struck by this approach because I didn't, I I'm not sure I thought it could be done, okay. honestly. Um, because the language is Shakespearean; it's just the Shakespeare play. But the the approach to the drama is not that much different than your average movie. In that, like, okay, so going back to like comparing lines here. Uh-huh. So, 
you get to like um like the the part where he's about to go kill duncan uh-huh. and there's there's the line of is is this a dagger which i which i see before me and so on and so forth so uh, for example, you get to Polanski's, and the the delivery is something along the lines of, "Is this a dagger which I see before me?" And you see like a dagger floating in the in yeah. the air. It's like a really like corny CGI or whatever yeah, in yeah. that scene, right? It's like it's yeah. not CGI. It's it's just special effect, blending effect. Yeah. Right. And this in this one, it's like he's his mind's playing tricks on him when he sees the the door handle in the distance looks like a dagger, right? And Denzel, his delivery is like this. This is a dagger which I see before me? Yes. Right. And that's the biggest indication of like how this is dramatically different. Sure. All the lines are like that. Right. And it's like, and you immediately get it. it it's it's perhaps the easiest to understand. It's very Cohen though. Of, yes. It is yes. a very Cohen choice to do that. Yeah. To like yep. play exactly. it like in this like weird offbeat way. Exactly. As to just this straightforward. <laughs> but it but it's so discernible. Like yes. you immediately know what he's talking about. Right. It's it, I mean in, in, in every sequence, even when he's being like complicated and he like when he's talking to the murderers. Yeah. I, I was again like and I guess we could talk about Denzel's performance here. Yes, let's. But like again, usually when actors portray Macbeth, it's very showy, it's uh-huh. very big, and he's kind of hunched over, and you know his eyes are faded, and he's going mad, sure. you, know, you know. And when he's talking, by the way, many words that have been used to describe Denzel Washington in the very past. true, <laughs> a very showy, over the top actor, <laughs> which he is. Yeah, but again, there's this naturalism to the performance that you just again because it's Shakespeare. There's not. It's not exactly natural, mm-hmm. so to see him do it this way is very weird. When he's right. when he's what's what's the line he says where he's like, oh yeah, when he's like, know that it was he who held you so under fortune, which you thought had been our innocent self, and this I made good to you in our last conference. And I'm just like, uh-huh. that's like when he points to the murderers. Like I, I was like, that's that's a choice no Shakespearean actor would ever 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 do. Sure, they would move with it and they would get close to him. They might like grab the murderers. What, who, what's the name of the servant that he calls at the end? Or he's he's calling out someone's name, at when when the when the invaders are are coming. Oh God! Uh, it's like Godfrey or something. I forget what it was. It might be Godfrey. I'm not sure exactly what it, the name is. It's not Godfrey, but he he, he starts know. screaming that name and like, but he does it in this Denzel way of like, God, I can't be fucking bothered with these invaders. Today. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, yeah exactly. Fight a battle today, <laughs> and, you know, it's like Winston, yeah. get over here. But it's like it's very. Yeah, the way he plays it, it's so Cohen, but it's also so Denzel. I'll just say this now. I think Denzel's fucking unbelievable in this Yeah, movie. he's great. Th- this is one of the best Denzel performances I have seen in years. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I agree. I, agree. Uh, I think he should win the Oscar for this. He won't. It's stupid that he won't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's also my favorite Macbeth. Full stop. I, I I fucking love him in this. Like, yeah, every no, he's choice fantastic. that he makes yeah. is such a goddamn interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, listen, most words coming out of the mouth of Denzel Washington sound pretty good. So when you put... D- Shakespeare words in them like it's always going to be pretty he's just he's really good obviously at reciting lines you know but it's not the way anyone else would do prose right that's the weird it's like this is just so unusual and I can't believe it's working yeah yeah, that's the thing that was impressing me so much about him just his ability to make those very stylistic lines just sound so perfectly natural yeah it's just like it's like it just just rolls right doing circles around the dialogue it's It's great yeah yeah he he actually is he's out acting the dialogue somehow even just like the simple shit like when when it gets to the point where uh uh Corey Hawk Hawkins, you know, sit, you know, reveals that he was a C-section baby. Uh-huh. Uh, it just his delivery of like, I will not fight with thee. Yeah, it's just so like careless and like I don't give a fuck about that. Right. So part of this, yes, it's it's the Cohen like taking off all the earnestness off the, you know yeah, off the line. That's exactly, part of it, yeah. definitely. But 
it's also the casting. And it's very intentional that Francis McDormand and Denzel are both almost 70. Like they are, I think Denzel might be over 70. That's a very traditional Shakespearean thing to do though. Sure. Because one of the interesting, I guess, controversies of the Polanski one was that they were younger when usually they're much older. Okay. That's how everyone imagined, or maybe it's even how Shakespeare imagined the Macbeth character, which is weird. I never imagined him that way, but yeah, that's, that's, that's more of a classical decision, which uh, I guess works, you know. It adds a, a level of pain to the character that it, it works quite well, particularly with Denzel. Um, yeah, so uh, so uh, let, me, let me see here. I, I had this quote written down at one point, but uh, Joel Cohen describes it as a postmenopausal Shakespeare <laughs> adaptation. You know, the, these are, at least in film form, the oldest versions of the characters we've seen certainly of these five. Um, it is not so much about protecting a legacy, but it's about sort of this desperate last gasp, you know, just clinging on to everything you have left. That's Whereas what I, the earlier movies, they're trying to build something. They're trying to build a reign that will last for decades and decades and decades. This is just like, God, we've been through this already. I, I didn't get to be king yet. This is my last fucking chance. We might as well just go for it. And these two characters can't be bothered. There's no desperateness. There's no, I mean, there, there is this sort of this blind ambition and it, it is still tragic in that way, but sure. it doesn't really haunt them that much in the way that like these existential questions don't really haunt you that much in your old age. At a certain point, it's just like, son, I'm old, you know, I've, I've, I've no. fought enough, you know, sword battles in my life to know how this is going to end. Yeah. The, the ex- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's definitely that. The two of them are just quality. sort of sleepwalking through it. And yeah. I guess literally in this case with well, Lady Macbeth. And that is an interesting approach that doesn't break away, in my opinion, from the essence of, of Macbeth himself, where it is more of this desperation and it's just pathetic and there's a thousand ways you could play that. But again, never quite makes Macbeth the like like a sympathetic guy. Yeah. He's he's still like a piece of shit and everyone around him is kind of a piece of shit as well. Uh so I yeah, I I it, it didn't bother me whatsoever. Yeah, I was okay with it. Yeah, I guess Macbeth originally in the play says uh bring forth men only. Mm-hmm. Uh, bring Bring forth men, children only, for thy undaunted metal should compose nothing but males. And in the Cohen version, they change it to uh, should have composed nothing but males. So it's this idea that they're both past child rearing age. The idea of a legacy that carries forward is is sort of, a, you know, a pipe dream at this point. And the two of them are just, you know, trying to be king because I guess they can be king and queen now. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's a really interesting movie. It's a truly yeah, yeah, yeah. fascinating movie. I agree. I agree. Uh, it's not the type of movie that's going to get a ton of Oscars. It's not the type of movie that's going to really break through to mainstream audiences. No. no. Um, but I, yes, an interesting sort of experiment for our good pals to do together, you know? Oh, God, yeah. And it's amazing that it works as well as it does, too. Yeah. Now, again, like, even though, like... <laughs> I fucking love this play though the fact that you can adapt it this way the fact that you can use these actors and it can still make a lot of spiritual sense for Uh what what it's all about it's very cool yeah you know here's the surprising thing about it as far as like the portrayals of characters I'm afraid to say something sacrilegious here okay I wasn't crazy about Francis um she was good yeah she was okay it's strange. She was all right. She's, yeah. she's been playing the character for a long time. Yes. Perhaps it was the direction. Perhaps it was like the way like she was supposed to deliver these lines that's so different for her. Mm. I just thought it was okay. 
Yeah. Um, she doesn't really make a choice one way or the other. It, it, no, it, it, left, it maybe that's it. it. Just left no impression on me, you know, right. in the way that like all the others went. Even Fr- Francesca on honest, you know, yeah, just totally different. Uh, certainly leaves no impression in the way that Catherine Hunter does. Yes. And Catherine Hunter. Oh my God. Yeah, she's good. Holy shit. She's in five minutes of the movie though. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's great. I, but you're like Oscar nomination. I don't know. Sure. She, it, it, they gave Cloris Leachman an Oscar. I guess. That's Fucking true. hell, man. This, 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 this is up there. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's, <laughs> she's really Fucking good. performance is unbelievable. Really <laughs> she plays all three witches. Um, yeah, the shot of them when they're walking through the d- the desert and you mm. see the reflection of the three of them. Oh, I mean, it's, it's just it's, so brilliant. It's excellent stuff. I mean, but so th- much of this 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 composition here, it's like hang that painting on a fucking wall, you know. But this is what I keep talking about too. It's like like it's just like visionary in a way like, like I've always known the Coen brothers are visionary filmmakers, but I don't know if they've ever been visionary like this before. Yeah, right. This is something else like altogether for them. Sure. But this is just one of those things that proves the point too that sometimes it's about like what you create in the image itself. It's not necessarily about what kind of crazy tricks are you doing with the camera? How many strings can you tie to the camera and swing it around? Right, and, like, right, it's right. It's like, yeah, that's, you know, that's gimmicky and that's cool. But like, what am I seeing? Sure. You know, what, what's, what, what store, what part of the story is the image telling at that point? Yes. And that, sh- that reflection shot, it's just like, God, that was. No, there's a hundred shots like exactly. that in this movie. Yeah. It's excellent. Uh, yeah. Give Denzel the Oscar, please. He's not going to get it. I know he's not. But yeah, you're right. He should get it. He should get he's, it. He's, he's unbelievable in this. He's really good. And he's fucking Denzel Washington. We shouldn't be like, yeah. <laughs> oh, the underrated Denzel Washington. But somehow I'm saying that. It's an underrated performance by Denzel. You know what? Fuck you, Will Smith. You don't get it. Yeah. No, like, whatever. <laughs> like, that's the thing, too. Is Will Smith owed an Oscar? No. I, I felt the same thing about no. Leo at the time. No. When Leo won his Oscar. Is he owed one? Everyone's like, it's his time. It is. No, and he, it's not his best performance. <laughs> Stop it. But, like, some guys, it's like, why? Because Will Smith is a big box office draw. He's because, owed an Oscar? Because people like him. They like him, so therefore he's okay. No, he's, who doesn't like Will Smith? Whatever, but... but you look at, like, that's a this great, is a much better performance than King Richard. Oh, my God. It's a yeah. much, much better, performance. better performance. Yeah. I, it, I, I, it's unbelievable how lived in this... It, it, how It shouldn't be as lived in as it is. Yeah. Because it's, it's Macbeth. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's done it. But, like, yeah, it's phenomenal. It's unbelievable what he comes up with. Again, I'm just, I've never seen it done this way before, and I didn't think it would work as well. It's just... It's awesome. He's really great. Yeah. <sighs> You're right about the Revenant, though. You think about the Revenant, and it's yeah. just like, really? Well, it's it's that, but I also like, I don't know. People would say that a lot. It's all the Oscars he should have won for what? No, I love Leo. Certainly, he's one of the ten or fifteen best actors of his generation, I guess. But I don't know. Did he need it for Titanic? Did he need it for Blood Diamond? Did he need it for The Aviator? Like, eh. you know, give it to him for Gilbert Crape. <laughs> Yeah. I love him in that movie. It's not fucking Pacino in Dog Day Afternoon, though. You know what I mean? No. But he's not. <laughs> like, that's what I always say. Like, you say this guy's owed an Oscar. Name the movie that he's owed an Oscar for. Yeah. And give me that movie with Will Smith. Yeah. He's owed an Oscar for I Am Legend. For Ali, I guess. I don't know. He's good in Ali. He's pretty good in Ali. He's good in Ali. Yeah. You know, we have that. To, I think the Scorsese win, you know, made this conversation bigger than it ever needed to be where it's like yes that 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 always feels like the moment where everyone started having this very conversation we're talking about right the he's due conversation exactly which is like he's due for what stanley kubrick has zero oscars and he's dead now hitchcock 
zero Oscars. Never won. A, never well, won that's a, not true. Never won a Best Directing Oscar. Won yeah. a Best Picture. Rebecca won Best yeah. Picture. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Like, who cares? No. So this idea now that we have to force certain <laughs> actors in in certain years to correct the historical record. Well, that's. Oscars are fucking bullshit. I know. They're bullshit, but I you know. love them. <laughs> yeah, I can't help myself. I don't know what to tell <laughs> They're you. fucking bullshit. I can't help myself. I did love, I have to give uh, Josh Brolin a lot of credit because he went on, he was very mad that, yeah, did, but, like, did he, but he made it, but he did, he said, he said something very nice or, or, or funny anyway. He's like, it's just nice to know that all these, you know, all these uh, great and wonderful, talented people are acknowledged for what they do, but also know that it's really fucking dumb. Yeah. I was like, that's, I like that. Yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> okay. Uh, my vote here, sir. I know where you're going. It's, it's, it's the, uh, it's the Polanski movie. Yep. I'm going Throne of Blood. No. I'm going Throne of Blood on this, and I'm choosing a Kurosawa movie, and you're not agreeing with me, and that I think. Oh, is, is troubling <laughs> you know i think i am giving you an opportunity to put your boy kurosawa in the movie hall of fame again Ooh. and you're not taking me up on it you will never get this chance again sir how do you know because i know you're never going to get this opportunity again i'm not sure you know that how do you know what would what, do rashomon <laughs> I, it's we probably will <laughs> it, i just i I don't see it. I don't. I I know. I do not see me out of a list of five movies choosing the Kurosawa movie again. <laughs> again, this is the first and only time it's happening. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's not as perfect. It's just not as perfect. I don't see anything wrong with. How Pol- many vetoes do you have? Polanski two. <laughs> How strongly do you feel? Pretty strong, man. Like, like the the, the you have to understand the Macbeth Polanski is like one of those life changing movies for me. I just saw it. It just. Like, 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 I was like, I'm never going to see anything that that good out of Macbeth ever again. And I haven't. I haven't seen anything quite that good because it was taking a a while for these movies to top Throne of Blood. And I saw that one. I'm like, there it is. Mm. That's it. But you agree those are the top two. Oh, God. Absolutely. Not even close. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. It's it's it for me. It's Polanski's Macbeth. It's Throne of Blood. And then it's Joel Cohen's right now out of these. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I know. One is like every everything. By the way, if we're talking about a Macbeth adaptation, that's more like you know purely Macbeth, if it means anything to you. Uh, yeah, it's obviously it's Polanski's. Do I have vetoes? No, I have zero vetoes. You have zero because you keep losing those fucking card games, and you have two. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's my here's my offer. <laughs> I'll go with the Polanski movie. But I want a veto for future use. Mm. I want to get in on this action. I want to see what it's like. You want to see what it's like? To have the power for once. I'm still giving up a veto is the thing. No matter what. No, but well, I am. you're sharing a veto. Oh, sharing. How is that sharing, though, when you can use it against me? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Let's think about your logic here for a second. I suppose. <laughs> well, either way, you could, you could burn it or you could give me one. <laughs> it's up to you. Yeah. Well, what do you what, what do you have any aspirations for what year you want to use it for? Because we're getting down to some more years, I, I would think. Yeah. I don't know. We could probably do some years. Maybe, we're coming up. Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I have a question. Yes. Yeah, are we gonna switch up the years to do like a five year time gap, or are we gonna keep the ten year time gap? My idea was that we do 2012 next week. 
I wouldn't mind doing that. Because we are now 10 years away from 2012. Yes. As insane as that sounds. I, I know. I know that. I know that. But I was, I was curious. <laughs> that is crazy, isn't it? Oh. Does life, man. Because I was curious if we were ever going to get to the... To, that narrow it back down to five years or do you just want to keep doing 10 years you, you'd like to do more you'd like to do years like what 2013 2014 2015 you'd like to do those you're saying eh, i don't know i do think about it i'm like do i need to talk about those movies okay we can do that we don't have we're to. changing the bylaws of the movie hall of fame we could <laughs> we're cha- okay <laughs> no we don't have to we're do changing that. the eligibility window I think that requires a vote I'm asking I think we need to talk to the board about it I don't know you think I need to use one of my both of my vetoes I think to, it might have to, to veto that? to change that rule yeah. uh, I see <laughs> I think so <laughs> oh I see what he's doing <laughs> <laughs> I am keeping one of my vetoes I'll have you know that right now okay but uh yeah, dude. I don't know. Polanski's Macbeth is It's not happening. Is amazing. It's not happening. Is I amazing. fucking love Throne of Blood. It's not happening. Yeah, but I love Macbeth way more than you do. It's not happening, sir. Yeah. Either I'm getting a veto. Oh, is that or you're using a veto. It's one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> uh give me a veto. Don't be so selfish. Is that all you want? Don't be hoarding all those vetoes for yourself. I like having these vetoes. I know, you can keep them. I just want one. What's the year you want to use it for? What do you? What do I you, don't have a plan. I, have a, I seriously to, do not have a plan. Oh, I see. Okay. I just want this thing so I can dangle it over you. Ah, I see. You know. I see. I see. I see. Okay. It's it, yeah. I don't know. I think the Polanski movie is a better movie. Okay. I think great. It's, I think it's flawless. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's also more Macbeth. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Am I getting a veto? I don't know. Are we deadlocked? Uh, no. Do we need to bring in someone for a third vote? <laughs> Who do we bring in for a third vote? I don't know. No one's listening anymore. Yeah, I was We're two no. hours into a Macbeth oh, podcast. Oh, Jesus Christ. Give me a veto, my friend. You know something? You want it bad enough, you'll use a veto. That's what you have the veto for. The veto is there for this purpose. You know what I realized? It'd be hypocritical of me to give you a veto because I'm not a gambling man. I'm using it. Boom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a second. That's out of character for me. You ain't getting a veto. All right. No, sorry. Okay. Welcome to the Movie <laughs> Hall of Fame. Roman Polanski's Macbeth. Yeah. You know, there's there's no man I would rather have this honor than Roman Polanski. Just a great man. Oh, is that what you were bothered by? No, just, just a great man. <laughs> How many Polanski? No one more deserving. Let's think about it. Okay, so we've let in, <laughs> we've let in Rosemary's Baby, Chinatown, and Ben Macbeth. <laughs> we love <laughs> no better man. We love we guy. love that Polanski. Great guy. We spent many intimate nights together, me and Roman Polanski. He's a great dude. You and Woody Allen <laughs> just, mis- just misunderstood that Roman. Yep, just really misunderstood. I like his movies. Yeah, I don't. Not a big fan of his sex life, though. In general, you know, yeah. I had to comment. On, yeah, it's on not that, on that part of it. it. It could be better, that's for sure. I have some notes. What Roman, are you? I have some notes. Just a just a few, just some simple notes. Yeah, they're not hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Roman Polanski in the movie Hall of Fame again. Again, Jeez. three-time winner. He's got to be the the I most s- uh, awarded, right? Oh God, maybe, maybe. 
uh, Scorsese and Spielberg, I guess, would be the only other two. It's taxi Driver, um, Raging Bull, but what else for Scorsese? What Let's if- see. Raging Bull, uh, Taxi Driver. Um, Spielberg, I think we have more, yeah. There's only one Hitchcock movie in here, which is crazy. Oh, boy. Uh, Goodfellas is in as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gangs of New York is in. That's four. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, um, let me Yeah, we've been doing this a while. I know. I thought we did have a lot for Spielberg. Kubrick, there's only one. Oh, Jesus. Coen Brothers, there's only one. What? Yeah, I think so. No, we did Fargo. We did Fargo. Fargo. So two. There's only and two. Lebowski, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay. So Marty still has the crown there. And yeah, I think Spielberg, it's Jaws. E.T. technically is in there alongside Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, did we put in Raiders? We put in Raiders, yes. What about Schindler's List? And Schindler's List. Oh, that's my God. Four. <laughs> um, did we do anything else, though? Oh, man. I feel like we did, but I can't think of what it is. Jurassic Park is not in. No, no, it's not. We did not include uh, Saving Private Ryan either. That was Saving Private Ryan was not included, yes. Because we did Big Lebowski. That would have given him the record, right? I decided on Big Lebowski, yeah. Right. Okay, so Steven Spielberg, number one on the list. Tied with Martin Scorsese. And now Roman Polanski. He's inching his way up there. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Inching his way up the leaderboard. Oh, no. All right. Uh, so you want to do 2012 next week? Yeah, I don't mind. All right, we'll do that. We could we could do a first in a while and nominate right now. We haven't done that in forever. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's do that. Let's do that. 2012. How many movies are we doing? Five or six? Or are we sticking with the five rule now? Let's let's try five. Okay. Best films of 2012. Ten years ago. Jeez, like so crazy. Jesus Christ. Oh my god! We're at the point now where I've seen all of these movies in a theater. You know, oh my god, like that's where we're at. Now. That is weird, bro. <laughs> um, huh. okay, okay. Chronicle came out. Oh, this is taking me back. <laughs> uh, wow. Call heads or tails? Heads or tails? Heads. Alexa, flip. Uh, hey Siri, flip a coin. Oh, Siri. Heads. Okay, you go first. Hmm. Dread. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. We might have to go to six. Yeah, fine. <laughs> We're going to leave some stuff off. Well, some of the... Oh, the, I haven't seen The Act of Killing. I need to... Yeah. Which, yeah, I'm going to have to watch that if you nominate it. But everyone says that's like a, a must. I will nominate the master for you to watch. Oh my! Oh, I've been meaning to see it forever. Um, zero dark thirty. God, there's so many good movies. There are a lot of good. Look at this. Oh, the hunt! Ah. Oh! No, the the hunt is the following year. Are you sure? And uh, yeah, and that was just festival. Oh, is that? Again. I hate that fucking rule. Yeah. Oh, goodness me. We don't have to do Skyfall again, do we? No. Okay. 
Oh, boy. Silver linings. Silver linings. Well, Lincoln, of course. <laughs> Silver linings playbook is my is my yeah is my pick. How hard are you going to ride for Silver Linings Playbook? You're about to find out. Yeah. <laughs> the Hobbit, an unexpected journey. Um, how many are we at right now? We're at four. Mm. Oh boy, I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. Um, There's like three or four that I think should definitely be on. There, well, there are some films on this list that you like a lot more than I do, too. I know that for sure. Uh-huh. Some movies that I like a lot more than you do. Uh-huh. I I don't particularly want to nominate Moonrise Kingdom again. No need. Let's not repeat any. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fine. I I mean, okay. So I got to watch The Master. I'd I'd love to see The Act of Killing. I mean, I know you've pro- you probably yeah. What, what do you think? Um. Yeah, it's a great movie. Uh. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, maybe. 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 If you want. Yeah, I mean, there's... I don't know. I think there's two that are kind of unavoidable here. But, all right, if you want to go with that, that's fine. What? what, what are, what's the I'm other? cool with that. Yeah, because I know... I think Django's got to be on the list, no? Can we leave oh, Django Django's, tw- Django's 2012, too? Yeah. I, for some reason, I thought it was 2013. Yep, here it is. Here it is. Okay, yep. I mean, if, if you don't want to talk... I've, we've had enough conversations about Django in our lives, I guess. <laughs> I feel like no, that's one of the best six movies. No, it is. It is. It absolutely. It's one. It's my favorite. It's my ta- favorite Tarantino of the 2010s. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's let's go with that. Sure. Okay. Okay. All right, Django, Django, Django. Yeah. All right. Uh, and uh, Looper or Magic Mike? I haven't seen Magic Mike. Really? No. I wanted to. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of Looper. So, when was the last time you saw Looper? Uh, I I don't know when it came out. No, uh, I probably saw it on HBO. I don't know, three years ago. You don't like it? No, I think it's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) It's another. It's a dumbass Ryan Johnson movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's a, it's a movie where it's like whatever you do it's a cool action movie but you, whatever you do audience do not think about what's going on otherwise it's going to ruin the experience and i and unfortunately i thought about it. i'm like oh nothing makes sense in this movie great okay so yeah i'm not a huge All right, I'll, I'll i'll let you watch magic mike though okay <laughs> let's do that <laughs> not a huge looper fan okay <laughs> this is an, okay i i fucking Adore Looper. I know. But you know this. Yeah. I, I think it's a masterpiece. But What okay. the fuck? I, I think it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's fucking not I that good. I think that movie fucking rocks. Uh, Yikes. Right. Here we go. The Master. You and your shitty science fiction Stop movies. <laughs> the Master, Dread, Silver Linings Playbook, Zero Dark Thirty, Django Unchained, Magic Mike. For some reason, I feel like these are all wrong. But it's all right. They're in. There we go. Yeah. It's tough with these modern years, though. When you, you don't get enough distance from it. Sure. Yeah. You don't really know what the best movies are. Yeah, the but, one the one. But it's been ten years. I feel like we should know by now. The one thing I will say about Looper, though, you know, I, I don't. By the way, I don't dislike Looper. I just, you know, think it's got a tremendous amount of holes. Uh-huh. Um, I will say it's nice to see. It's nice to know that it's probably the last film where Bruce Willis cared about anything. Certainly. So that's good. Yes, that's good. Yes. You know, doesn't mean he was my favorite thing in the movie, but he's clearly trying. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> 
I absolutely love it. Um, <laughs> Ryan Johnson is just your boy. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, he's my homeboy, man. It's very weird. <laughs> I, I really do love his movies. Yeah. Uh, okay. there. Yeah. Dread is the weird one there. I love Dread. Have you seen the 2012 Dread? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I've, yeah, I've seen the 2012. Have you? Maybe I haven't. I don't think you have. I bet you have. Maybe I'm confusing it with The Raid. Oh, they're very... I mean, I understand why they're similar, but no, different. The Master, Dread, Silver Linings, Playbook, Zero Dark Thirty, Django Unchained, Magic, Mike. So I need to watch Magic, Mike, and The Master. Yes. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's been long enough. It's about time you've seen The Master. I know. All right. Uh, that's it. Love you all. So very, very much. We'll be back next week to talk about the movies of 2012. Until next time. Hear it not, Duncan, for it is a knell that summons thee to heaven or to hell. <laughs>